0: Hey everybody, this is Kelly Dixon. I'm here with my co-host, Chris McCaleb. Hello. Hey Chris, how's it going today? It's great. Today we are going to do the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. There was yep. no pause in that whatsoever. That's right.
1: It's the last one of the season. It's the
0: last one. Number 310. We made it. Wow. Sad face. Wow. It's been a long, long, long season. But as Vince likes to say, this is the best season.
2: This is the best. Now that you've seen it, everyone listening, you know it is true. This is the best season a Better call, Saul. Ever. I say that without any fear of equivocation. And
0: guess what? I'm here with the co hosts, Peter Guild and Vince Gilligan.
1: Hello. Hey. The co hosts.
0: Oh, whoa. They're, the they're co hosts now? Well, they might well oh, be. Man. Yeah, I this guess is, they could. Nah. This ship is getting Creators really full. of the show. All right. Creators of the show. Vince, uh, could be the two. Gilligan. It's like the
2: Highlander. That's right. That's right. fight to the death of swords now after this hour. Slightly oh, lower no. stakes,
0: though. <laughs> <laughs> also, here with special guest and uh, writer of this episode, Jenny Hutchison. Hello. Uh, our post producer, uh, who is now a co executive producer. Congratulations, Diane Mercer. Hi. And special guest, Bob Odenkirk. Yay. We've got Bob today. Yay, for the final episode. We have Bob. Yay. Um, all right, so there's a lot, I guess, to, to touch on uh, with this episode. Um, it is called Lantern. Lantern. Um, it was directed by Peter Gould. Hooray. Who's here. Hooray. Yeah. So I could just stop talking and let you guys just, you know, go at it because everybody, and it was, who, everybody connected. But is Kelly, here. Who,
1: who edited this episode?
0: I who? edited this episode. Ooh. Yay. I this episode. Thank you. That's very nice of you.
1: <laughs> now, Peter, I understand that this is the first time you've directed something that, uh, for Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad that is not something you wrote. That's true. How was the experience of working with not only uh, a, a different writer, but a writer that you know very well and have been working with for such a long time? It,
3: it, uh, it, I, it helped me appreciate Jenny's, Jenny's talent even more because uh, she, wrote, she wrote a lot of scenes that I, I think uh, she brought... Things to the scenes that I wouldn't have uh, ever been able to, and uh, I, you know, especially uh, some of the scenes between Jimmy and Kim, where there's uh, a rapport between them. As as uh, as Bob and Ray acted them, I kept seeing new layers uh, to what Jenny had written, and so it was, it was it was it was really a pleasure. It was it was fun. It was it didn't. I will say it, it didn't cause me to sleep any better. So, <laughs> yeah, I so wondered if you had was just, it was justice. It was just as stressful as ever. So there you go. There's did, that.
1: Did your preparation differ at all as a director when you're going in, working with someone else's
3: script? You know, the prep. My preparation is always feeling like I've never prepared enough. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I would love to. In my ideal world, uh, I'd love to have like like three weeks or or even even a week a week with uh, by myself or at the locations or and with or with the cast or rehearsal. But that's just that's just not the way. That's not the way we operate. So uh, it's it's. It, I, I think Vince feels the same way. I don't know. Oh, yeah. there's I, never I feel enough like time to poop poop. we're always running for our lives, yeah. trying to trying to make sure that we thought through what we're what we're going to shoot. And there's never
2: enough time to shoot either. There's just never enough time. It's That's true. the biggest single thing about directing. I, I I don't know from directing for movies. I've never done that. Maybe it's similar. I suspect it's not. I think it's. I always say directing for TV is. It's like the old Astaire Ginger Rogers thing, you know, it's like Ginger Rogers doing everything Fred Astaire does except backwards and in high heels. I think it's directed for T V. Or maybe for low budget movies where you have very limited time and budget. It's it's but you know, the you know, I would say the really great T V directors uh, uh are doing that much more because 'cause they're doing it in so little time. That's right, yeah.
0: Um, I'm gonna jump back a a step from Chris Uh, I'm curious about uh, Jenny writing a finale episode uh, for the guy who is her showrunner and her director is what was that like for both of you actually you're Peter you're having to give notes as a showrunner as the head of your own writers room and then also as a director or did you not give notes did you how was that
4: Yes, yeah, so he just let me write whatever I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Showed up on the day. And uh, there wasn't. There's always a notes process, uh, no matter what. Whoever's directing, whoever's writing. I think.
3: Yeah, I mean, I you know it's interesting because Jenny and I have now worked together, literally uh, since years. the first the first season of Breaking Bad. So I, we know each. I mean, uh, we. I don't want to we know each other as creators anyway we know each other and there's a there's a there's a rapport there it's not I, I don't really feel like you know, you're, you're making it sound like I'm her boss or something, which I guess I guess you, you could look at it that way. But I think of really as a collaboration. That's what and it says on your it's, T-shirt. It's I'm it, the does, boss. it does. It does. I, I, I don't know why I wore that. Mine this says today. writer number three. I don't, know why, I, I don't know why I wore this today. I moved it's up. Just, uh, it's, it's, it's not that flattering, uh, but yeah, it's just it's. It, I think with. I don't know for me anyway with with everybody it's not a, it's really more of a feeling of, of collaboration and of, of talking things through and that goes for for, for Jenny and, and for working with you Kelly and working working with Bob certainly.
4: Yeah, I think I mean I think I'll, that's sort of one of the wonderful things about TV is it's such a collaborative environment obviously that varies by show and what kind of showrunner you have and their style. Um, and this show and previously Breaking Bad were always very collaborative. And, and there, while there is obviously a hierarchy, it doesn't feel like an oppressive hierarchy when you're in the room working on stories, writing, um, just from the writer's perspective. Everybody's voice is important. If you have a great idea, cool. It doesn't matter what level you are. Uh, we just like great ideas. Um, so working with Peter... On this was really, I mean, I was excited to write a finale, because uh, I haven't written one, um, which means, you know, finales just automatically have a lot of big moves, and you're trying to set up the next season. So um, dramatically, they're just really interesting to write. I mean, they're, all our episodes are interesting, but the stakes are always so high. Um, one of the nice things about being on set with Peter as the director and the showrunner is... Um, is obviously very collaborative, but when you're a writer on set representing the showrunner with a director who isn't necessarily in the room, there's always this pressure of making sure that everything that was intended uh, comes through, uh, while also sort of maintaining you know, that collaboration and how the set needs to work and, and not imposing anything, um, but because Peter's the showrunner, it's sort of like, okay, well, he knows what we want. Um, <laughs> he's so busy that sometimes it was good, I think, to have me there to sort of remind him of like, this is what we were talking about, this is where this came from, because when you're directing, I haven't done it, but I, I imagine so. your brain is just so occupied by the actual mechanics of directing that sometimes the story stuff, can you can kind of forget your background, so having me there was good for that, but it was always sort of like you know the buck stops with peter so it was a little bit of pressure off actually uh, being on set
3: well no you were, it was invaluable having it actually that's if you the answer to your question really is that it was wonderful to have uh, a writer on the set and it's just it's, it's there's there's no substitute for having having someone who is who is watching the scene and is not is 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 is, is, is just thinking about how it's going to fit into the show and fit into what they intended it's so it's a, so I, I i really enjoyed it Let's Did you take thing. your
0: writer hat off completely? Uh, Impossible. I don't. Yeah, it's I, sewn onto his skull. It's <laughs> 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 it's a writer plate,
3: a metal t- plate. Well, it goes t- so well with that T-shirt. <laughs> you, too. Tell you, you, you tell me. Yeah, actually, Bob Bob would probably have a probably have a really good perspective on that. I no, he's always a writer. I mean, I think I like that
5: triangulation of the actors, the writer, and the director figuring out the last minute choices the what's actually happening now that you're putting it up and you know if there's difficulties or questions that group sorting through it I don't like when the I, I just like it better than, than the writer than the writer directing his own episode because you know Jenny's point's a good one she's in touch with where everything came from all the conversations that were had, the time she spent alone making choices on dialogue and sorting out choices she discarded and um, can clarify uh, that stuff or keep you in touch with that stuff. And the director is hit with so much. I mean, the director's trying to figure out whether to take a the break yet for the union for the lunch or whether to, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> the next location they just heard. There's a problem with the booth is not fitting. The, you know, he's dealing with all these logistics that are just insane, like a an, an never-ending number of them. I mean, and so they can be just really pressured and taken out of the moment. And, and the actors are incredibly internalizing everything with regards only to their own character, not... Occasionally trying to think of the overall story but mostly ignoring the overall story because that's their job is to only care about their character and what the character cares about and so that group, it's a, it's a good group to, to bat around uncertainties with everybody's got a perspective on it, I like it
4: Yeah, I, the, I, it helps
5: when the director has been a writer or is a writer because yeah. they have sense of
2: Storytelling, yeah, yes. it's all about being a storyteller. Yeah, yeah.
5: I also think the cool thing there is that the director is going to. A writer is a, is a director to me. I, I've always thought writers are directors. They haven't necessarily learned the language of the actual director, and that's that's the goal, is to learn that language of, and in, in every way uh, reference use of the word language, you know, metaphorically or whatever as well as the actual words <laughs> of what to say to get what you want out of, uh, other, out of the actors and out of the crew. But, um, but I always thought, you know, writers sit in the, and they picture the scene and they're doing what a director does. And, um, and so But the, what's really cool about then having a director step in is they read that script just like the actor does And they see a different angle on the moment. They see a different um, subtext to the scene. They see a visual interpretation of it that the writer didn't see. And they add to it and hopefully create more out of it. So that's where I think a writer directing their own work could very often, I think, just picture it the way they pictured it when they wrote it and not see it anew and not see a new uh, outside perspective on it that blows it up bigger or finds a new level to it. And, the, and, and I think it's kind of great to have that addition of a director separate from the writer who then reads the writer's script and goes, oh, I saw it this way. And the writer goes, oh, okay. Well, that's not how I pictured it. But now I see, oh, well, there's a whole nother way. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they,
3: there's just another... Yeah.
5: It's a re-envisioning of it, hopefully uh, more
3: enriched. It's it's, it's such an interesting job. Both of the jobs are so interesting because you want to, the goal is to picture everything as completely as possible, to do your best to picture everything that the character's thinking and doing, both for the director and the writer, for how it's going to look, how it's going to feel, when people are going to move. But then to have it all planned out in your head and then be willing to throw it out to throw it out if you see something that gets the heart of what right. what the scene's really about when 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 you're there on the on the stage and it's that's a it's a tough combination to have it's a tough well, combination that comes from
5: experience yeah. having tried different things right and then confidence of mm-hmm. being able to throw out the thing you sweated for and worked towards and planned for and saw in your head and but then going you know what <laughs> it's this is better what I'm seeing right in front of me, and <laughs> I know, and I know why it's better mm-hmm. because I've done all these different things. It's a lot to ask. So it's why directors are great, and they have a whole skill set that they've developed, and writers have a different skill set. But you know, they do overlap. Is it okay absolutely. if I ask
3: a question, Kelly? Cause, yeah. Okay. <laughs> because Bob. Bob, one of the things that that. that uh, that that I see about your preparation is that you you and the rest of the cast will get together mm-hmm. with nobody else from the production. There. Yes. For instance, I came to your house when you guys were uh, rehearsing episode five. Yes. And you guys were sitting around a dining table reading the reading the script out loud. Can you talk about that? What 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 is that process, and what do you think you get out of it?
5: Well. um... I I like to think we save time on set. Oh yeah. Well, that's (laughs) we're having a lot of discussions about, you know, motivations and moments and what are we going for here and what was the writer going for and you know, hopefully limiting the number of questions that we show up with, which might be hard for you to believe. (laughs) Uh, But uh, (laughs) if you knew, you're getting a third of what we had. (laughs) Uh, maybe you'd appreciate it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just, I mean, obviously just rehearsing, just learning your freaking lines. And and you can do that with a little recorder, and I certainly do a lot of that. But with another person, and you're getting their their rhythms, and now you're reacting to their rhythms and stuff. And, you know, yeah, it's just exploring the scene and asking questions about... You know, coming up with your inspiration, what you see, but then seeing it through someone else's eyes and figuring out a different way. And yeah, I think just trying to dig through it is really great and saves time on set. That's my goal. When I when I finish the rehearsal, I always want to have in my mind and in the other actor's mind because I also want to get to work on set. What is it? You know, if you have an issue, if it's Ray or, or, you know, Michael or whatever, he helps me, they help me, I help them go, let's identify what the real question is here. Mm -hmm. Is it a question, the motivation? Is it that line that's bumping you? Is, Is there a solution to it? Sometimes it's weird. You could have a problem with a line, like it doesn't fit, it doesn't work for me, I don't know what I'm... And then in playing it, It makes sense, you know. I don't know whether it's just, oh, I'm looking in her eyes when I say that. And we're connecting. And so now I understand what it means. As opposed to a little tape recorder (laughs) that's saying the other line and you're saying your line. And it's just, you know, you're you're not playing the moment and you're not feeling the other person's presence as much. And so, yeah, just... Figuring out, As, answering questions, and getting just plain old just rote rehearsal And Because the more you know your lines, the more you don't have to think about your lines. Mm-hmm. You play the emotion and think, feel the emotion. And That's, the words come out because they're just there.
3: Sometimes I talk to people who work on other shows and not, I mean, it's, it's they not. Don't do this that. is not something that every cast I
5: understand does. it's very strange to imagine not doing it because it's all I've ever done. But it only came from my own fear and uh, it only came from, I I showed up and I had all these lines at Breaking Bad and I'd never had a character even in the stuff I wrote that talked that much. (laughs) And and it's just like the fear of like, I wanna do this right I can't figure this out on set. This this guy talks way too much. You know, when you're batting an idea back and forth, if there's I say a line, you say a line, I say a line, you say a line, he says a line, then back to me, yeah, I can get people going, I'll just do it on the day. There's a rhythm to this. You know, uh, everyone's answering each other. Um, very often, especially with Jimmy, McGill, and Saul, they're off on a tear, on a on a... On a verbal run yeah. as they sort through an issue mm-hmm. verbally expressing their thoughts as he experiences them. So there's nobody feeding you your way through the argument. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to know that line of thought that he goes on so that you can say those lines in that order. So it it became something I I just knew I wanted to have the confidence on set. So I did it in Breaking Bad and now we do it because our show is worthy of it. Our show, the complexity of the emotional interchange is worthy of examination and exp- exploration. Um, comedy sketches aren't necessarily, it's not a mystery what the hell's going on. You don't, you don't, there's not a ton of. Subtext, <laughs> you know, if you did it right, <laughs> it should be pretty simple. So there's less need for it. Although we did rehearse Mr. Show because we didn't have cue cards, so we knew oh, our
2: lines. Interesting.
5: Yeah. I mean, on Saturday Night Live, they have no time to rehearse. The friggin' thing isn't written until Wednesday and chosen until Wednesday night wow. and then rewritten on Thursday and Friday. And some scenes are just written fresh on Thursday and Friday or even on Saturday. It. So it's like there's no time to learn your lines. And then stuff changes, so those people need to use cue cards right. to know where the hell mm-hmm. they are. Yeah, that makes sense. But Mr. Show, we had time to rehearse, and we knew our lines. We didn't have cue cards, even if so. Have used them on any.
2: mr show did you go all the way through i know obviously it wasn't live it was tape. but i mean did you nonetheless to keep the energy up did you go tape all the way through or did you stop and start and do a sketch more than we once? would
5: do the sketch more than once <laughs> we'd always do it twice okay but we would then carry on to the next sketch in the order that you see it in the show because gotcha. there was a certain amount of uh whatever sometimes there were ideas that bled through or built through an episode so then the live audience could experience the way the audience would on tv gotcha
2: would you you do the sketch twice would you always use would you intercut the editing wise would you intercut pieces of the first take with the second no
5: uh you wouldn't and you would always think that the second take is better Mm -hmm. we also did two shows a dress show and an air show oh okay occasionally we do sketch once okay because we did do two shows okay uh, without redoing it but I'd say six times out of ten the first take the the first take of the second show is oh, always is the, the best one, one. Huh. Interesting. so the dress rehearsal show would genuinely not be as good okay even though you shot it and yeah. you kind of got excited and it was very exciting. yeah. And then the first take of the air show or the second show right. was just the best. yeah. And kind then the second sense. take yeah. was kind of bled and it just kind of wasn't, even though it usually felt better. huh? Usually it felt more confident and better. Oh. Then you watch it again and you're like, no, no. First time we did it on the second show.
2: Yeah, interesting. It was like,
5: you're up for it, but you're, but it's still very novel, it's still very exciting and uncertain, yeah, and yeah. that kind of is feeding it. So. Interesting. It feeds it's very weird, because we would always think that the last version was the best, mm-hmm. and it it wasn't always.
2: Yeah. Did
1: uh-huh. you have different audiences for the, the Two
0: dress? Two different audiences, and the, okay. yeah. This is Saturday Night Live, right? No, this no, is Mr. Show. Mr. Mr. Show with
3: Bob and David. With Bob and oh. David, Show,
5: yeah. okay. which was done the same way.
3: And, and a, lo- a lot of us got to see uh, live performances of with, Bob, of and with Bob and David, and that was that was one. Of, uh, that was actually one of the biggest thrills in the last <laughs> few years for me because I never got to see Mr. Show live. Yeah, we did and it the same now, way. And now and getting getting to see how you guys do it, and as you say, with no cue cards. It's it's just it's such an entertaining place to be. Uh, It's such a it's 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 uh, it's it's really. I I hope you guys do some more because I I want to too. And I hope if you do that, it works out that I can go to every single one. uh, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) there's something there's something so much fun about seeing it live and then watching watching it on TV. you, You you weirdly you get it's an extra thrill. Because you kind of you remember seeing it live and you remember how it looked live and then you see it you see the uh, the the final version and it's uh, changes for
5: amount like in the experience of it because live we're kind of loose and it's we're right there we're doing the sketch for you yeah we're playing for the live audience and then it gets all packaged up I mean and since the ideas tend to integrate it kind of moves as a piece and that's just not the experience of the live.
3: It, in fact, the, uh, the the time I went, uh, one of the times that my wife, my wife and I are both big, we were yeah. big, we were big Mr. Show fan. In fact, when we were first dating, uh, this shows what a nerd I am. We would sit there and we would watch uh, Mr. Show and the Kids in the Hall. Those were the yeah. two. Those are the two yeah. touchstones. That was not a great show. And yeah. we still quote both shows to each other all the time. Uh, and the first time that I saw Jesse Innes. Was actually in uh, with Bob and David. Yes, and I got I got to I got to John. Four years I, old she was. Well, I saw I her believe. I saw her in with Bob and David though. Oh, and that was when John introduced he said, I want you to meet my daughter. Oh and yeah. we just saw in the episode, and that was how she got thrown. She got into the mix. For for this character, for this character, who we see, we see Aaron Brill, who we we get to see Jesse back again. Yeah, and so when you work with Jesse, that's she's somebody you've known since she was a baby. Yes, she was four years old uh,
5: (laughs) when she did Mister Show. She played my daughter, and I was talking about. I think it was the sketch where I'm talking about we're depriving her of attention and uh, affection in just the right measures so she'll be a famous politician. <laughs> you know, the, it's all about depriving your children in, in the right ways so that
3: they'll be motivated to
2: the right amount of sociopathy. Yeah, right, right, to, right, to right, excel right. in life, <laughs> right. to yeah, to yeah. Excel.
3: This is why this is why uh, Mr. Show is a perennial. It's, it's one of those things you can come back to over and over again. Yeah, and you, there's it, ideas always, that it always uh, it always has relevance. Yeah. it's eternal.
0: <laughs> um. I, since I have, like I guess, four writers in the room, because, Bob, you write as well, um, I'd like to talk, uh, especially to Jenny and, and Peter, especially on this. Vince, I suppose you could weigh on in on this as well. Um, I don't think we've talked about this before. Um, as, uh, as a show, you guys send the writer of the episode out to the set to, uh, I guess, produce the show or be a producer on set. I'm curious about um, your duties as a writer out on set—the things that you're supposed to do, the things that you're not supposed to do—but also how you actually learn those things. Jenny, you started um, as a as a new writer on Breaking Bad. Vince, you started as a new writer on The X Files, mm-hmm. and Peter, Good. you started as—and you told me it was your first experience in a writer's room on Breaking Bad. That's right. So I'm curious about. And I've asked this of, of other friends of mine, because I'm always very curious about the writer's experience, but also how you learn, because you're not sent out there with another writer. You're sent out there, right, by yourself. So I'm curious what kind of guidelines, what you're told to do, what you're told not to do out there when you go out to the set.
4: This is uh, This leads into why when people ask me advice on you know, if you want to be a writer, what's a good path? I I really am a person who's very pro, like coming up as an assistant, uh, spending some time on set, Mm -hmm. because uh, the fact that I had done that was really helpful for me when I produced my first episode of Breaking Bad, which was, I was actually still the writer's assistant when I wrote my first episode, and Vince very generously sent me to set uh, as the writer on set, which not a lot of showrunners would do. Um, And uh, he took me out to lunch and talked me through like what my duties were and sort of what the best way to handle things was. Um, But the fact that I had been on set and seen a writer on set and how they interacted with the director was also really helpful. And then the rest of it is just sort of, you kind of learn it as you go. Um, Basically, the writer on set is there as a resource for the director and the actors and the other producers Um, And also, you're there as the voice of the showrunner and the room, Um, because usually the writer on set is the only person on set who has any idea of where the show's going over the course of the season. Um, You're also, because you were in the room breaking everything, you know where we came from, you know all the stuff we discarded um, and all the stuff we talked about. So a lot of questions naturally come up on set um, about, well, why did you do it this way? Why didn't you do it that way? And being there and being able to say, well, we thought about that, and, and here's why we didn't do that. Or sometimes it's like, well, actually, that's we, we didn't necessarily think about that, but thinking about what we did talk about, here's you know why that might work or might not work. Um, and then sometimes directors... Or producers or actors have questions of, well, maybe we could do something like this to add to the scene. And sometimes it'll be in conflict with something that's coming later in the season. So we're able to say, oh, that's a great idea. And in fact, we're going to do that, but we're not going to do it for a couple episodes. So Mm -hmm. great instincts. Let's kind of, but (sighs) we want to hold on to it. Um, And then also just making sure that everything is sort of uh, kind of falling you know, generally in line with what the general intention was. Obviously, as Bob was talking about, there's so much collaboration. And a lot of times you do come in and the director or the writer has, or the director or the actor has a different idea. And a lot of times it's it's better, it enhances the scene. But you also kind of want to have someone there who can say, yes, that's better, that enhances the scene, let's go ahead and do that. As opposed to a director having to kind of make a decision in a void of like, okay, I'm going to do this, and then sort of, risking maybe the showrunner being like, oh, why did you do that? Uh, when they get into editorial.
1: Or it makes the scene better, but it ruins something else. So yeah, exactly. It doesn't exactly. hold throughout the season. Yeah,
4: exactly. Like, we're going to do something later and that ruined that scene or or means we have to adjust it later. So it's just kind of, kind of being the history of the show and uh, just making sure everybody has... There, you know, someone there that they can they can kind of sort through some of those like emotional beats with. We answer questions all the time. Uh, if a line's not working for an actor, um, we can be there to actually kind of problem solve that, you know, and figure out is if this line really isn't working, what's something we can do to make it work better? Because sometimes lines just don't work, you know, they just don't play out uh, when you get there and you actually put the scene on its feet, and that's that's totally fine. But it's nice as a writer to be able to be there and kind of like work through that together.
0: Are you supposed to go through the director only? Can you talk to the actors? And Bob also, are, are yeah, actors yeah. allowed to talk directly yeah, to the writer? Yeah, all the time. I, yeah. I mean, especially
5: if it's a line question. If you think I have a better line for this, I think I know what you're trying to say, or can you shorten this, or I, I just, whatever. I mean, I'd I'd go right to the writer. I wouldn't. Even
0: does that the vary director? with the with the players though? Does that vary? Show it, to show it does.
4: I mean, and I think I mean actors. I'm used to actors coming to me, especially with lines and sort of questions. Um, I always want to make sure that the director is also included in these conversations. Um, the the times when it's like if there's a take and you have a note as a writer, you're not gonna go to the, you're not gonna go to the actor and just give them a note. You usually are usually gonna talk to the director and say, I noticed in this scene, maybe we could try to do it a little bit more like this. What do you think? And then yeah. talk it through the, with the director. The director kind of makes that decision and then they would go yeah. communicate with the actor. It, 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 you know, that's sort of, I mean, that's the director's job and also it makes it so that the actor's not getting like 15 different voices yeah. mm-hmm. about their performance, you know, cause you really wanna have like a unified, yeah voice and and you don't really want to like screw with that relationship between the director and the actor I mean that's that's what that's their job that's what they're supposed to do that's absolutely what Jenny just said
2: when you're when you are a writer on a set and 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 whatever the actor needs whoever the actor needs to talk to so be it but as a as the writer if you have a note you really word to the wise folks listening who are gonna be in a similar position soon give the note to the director. Don't, don't go straight to the actor. It's just disrespectful to the director and it's, and it, and it can cause all kinds of problems. Uh, and, um, and, and give it quietly and, and, and aside as much as possible too, mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, yeah, it, uh, major faux pas to go straight to the actor if you're the writer on set. Be, be always respectful of the director.
4: And a lot of times notes are positive things, too. They're not mm-hmm. necessarily like, oh, this is terrible. A lot of times they're like, oh, I love this. Could we, you know, emphasize that? Or I prefer that to that. So, But again, you don't want to have that noise going on. You just kind of want to make sure that it's just you and the director kind of having those conversations.
0: What yeah. do you do in a situation... I'm sorry to interrupt
3: oh, that's. I was just going to say, I always saw myself... Uh, it kind of as the director's backup, yeah. you know. To it, and that's how I felt about having you on the set too. That this I uh, was another another pair of eyes, and also sometimes the thing you can say is, yeah. The director will turn to you and they, like give you a questioning look, and you say, "You got it. That's great. I love it." Yeah. And that's and that sometimes that's the most helpful thing you can do is positive reinforcement. I mean, it's, the, there is also the other thing is that in a weird way, having the the writer there can give everyone more license to make necessary changes, uh, because one of the things that's wonderful about this show and Breaking Bad, every, too, everyone has so much respect for the, the written word. But like Jenny says, it can just be a matter because there's more distance between the two doors than you expected, that there, a line needs to be cut or needs to be rearranged. And it's, it's I think it's empowering for people to have somebody there who wrote the script, and who understands the story say yes i know we can change that that doesn't change the intention that's great and also uh, you know the other thing that happens is that um, our wonderful script supervisor helen will come up to the writer and say you know he didn't say it quite the way you wrote it you know that these words were changed around and sometimes you know you say well you know the way it was written there's something there's value to that maybe we could ask for another take for that and then sometimes you say well, it doesn't. You know, that's fine. It's fine. It's fine that there's a little. There's a rearrangement of thoughts, but it's it. It gets to the same place, and it's great. And and I think in a weird way, um, having the writer there is is liberating for people. And and so, sometimes, I
0: think, hopefully, I think in since we've been doing this podcast, I don't even know how many hours we've had. Between the Breaking Bad and the Better Call Saul podcast, we've talked about a lot of... One million. Yeah, it's like at least over 70, I think. That's why no one's listening um, anymore. They've heard it all before. But the thing is that, no, I mean, you know, I still get tweets about how valuable of a film school it is, oh, a yeah. free film school
1: <laughs> it is. You know, Peter, you said something on an earlier podcast, and my friend Cash Hartzell, uh, shout out to you, Cash, uh, emailed me to say he to, it was something... By the way, I'm doesn't sure.
2: he have the greatest porn star name ever, Cash
4: Hartzel? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like how Vince always sort of elevates the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, should, you, should, you should be here when when, when Schnauz Schnauz is, here. is here. Yeah,
1: exactly. he's not even wearing pants. It's At least I'm wearing else. pants. Um, so but Ca- Cash emailed me to to say that the advice that uh, the best advice he's ever heard about the film industry was uh, pay attention in English class.
0: No, that was me. Was that you? That was me. (laughs) I'm attributing
1: it to Peter. No, yeah, no, you did. You did. That's 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 my (laughs) bad. And that is
0: especially for editors, but for everybody. It's such good advice. Well, it's it goes back to story. Story is the thing that drives everything. Yeah. You know, you have to pay attention to story, and you have to understand what's on the page and what's underneath the page as well. You know, one thing that you were talking about a little bit earlier when you you and Bob were were talking. Um, And it kind of reminded me, it's like, it's not only about director shooting the script, it's about director shooting your story as well. And they are two very, I don't want to say very different things. But when the director only shoots the script, and I mean, we see it in editing. When the director only shoots the script, there is so much that's missed, and we really need the director to shoot the story. Hmm. Because in that, that's where you get the enrichment and all of that. Um, um, But, uh, damn, I forgot what I was going to... I, I was going to ask something about. Um, well, oh, I, I know. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was
5: just going to say all of this points to the fact that there's. I don't. I can't imagine a show where there's more preparation and thought and care that went into the. You know, getting there. You know, but once you get there, you still have to invent the moment, and so, and it's just a volatile, living thing. That moment that you're pursuing in that in in the actual shooting of it and you know having the writer there to make adjustments and comment on it and observe it coming to life and then the director's observations and alterations and the limitations i mean all this shit i mean once you're on set it's a different
0: it's a free and, train you, at and that once point it gets
6: to you and once it gets to you kelly or chris or you know once it gets into the editing then it's another layer of it. Oh, yeah. It's like we're
0: rewriting at that point. And luckily on this show, we have writers in the room with us as well. This is important. Um, And that does not, unfortunately, happen on a lot of shows. Um, I've never been on
5: a show where it doesn't happen, but I believe you that it doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Believe us. I've, yeah, I've been <laughs> on shows where it does not happen. It does not happen. There are many times when I'm sure Chris has run into this as well, where you can have showrunners that have never been in editing before. Well, I mean that's it's that's nuts, but it does happen. Um,
1: Diane, in your position, do you ever find yourself having to encourage or facilitate that sort of thing? Because because it is a it's a tricky thing. You know, b- who's in charge of what, and do yeah. you because. As you said, it's, it's so much better to have them there than to not and for them to learn those things.
6: Unfortunately, a lot of times I think it's really a function of how the schedule of the show is. I mean, I, Breaking Bad was the first hour show I ever did. Um, I was in half hours before that. And on the half hours I worked on, the writers were always in the room, always breaking, always rewriting. Or, you know, they were much more likely to be on set. And there was no time for them. And especially because on network shows, on network shows, the time, just the time to get the, the script done and ready to shoot, they couldn't spare the writers from the room. You know, I mean, they could barely spare the showrunners yeah. to well, cut.
1: And one of those half hours being Arrested Development. Yes. One of the just the most densely edited.
2: Oh, the all time greats. You were Joke running.
1: packed. Yeah. It yeah.
6: was, yeah. And that, that was a function of time the other way. I mean, that was a function of. I mean, we had 50-page scripts on that show. Wow,
2: for a half hour. For, for a half, half hour, 22 wow. 22 minutes. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. And,
6: and that, but P.S., yes, that's very long. That's very long. I mean, we have 50-page scripts on this show. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and we're very long sometimes. We're all and we had
6: long. 50 yeah. scenes sometimes on that show. Jeez.
0: Um, how, how many days do you have to shoot on? Five
6: person? days. Wow. Five wow. Days. wow. And we often didn't have scripts until the day before we were going to shoot. Wow. So, you know, Mitch, and Mitch is... Mitch Hurwitz, uh, who created and ran Arrested Development, is one of the most brilliant comic minds there yeah. is. I mean, he's an absolute genius. But um, you know, he it would, he 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 wanted to be in the room, and it was and he would go down to set for the rehearsals. But he was he was a slave to the room, and then we would be lucky to get him, you know, in editing it like. I don't know, seven o'clock at night. I mean, we did, uh, that show was entirely cut between 7 p.m. and 2 a.m. <laughs> oh, um, wow. And uh, and then usually turned around and mixed and on the air a week later. I mean, that's, that's. Wow. we're very blessed we don't have to do it that way on this show.
3: That's why you don't have the Arrested Development podcast to look No, up. that would never happen <laughs> on that show. No way, <laughs>
0: no way. You know, Diane, I was gonna ask you, um, because on this episode, You know, you handle all of our our post-production, meaning um, all of our sound work, all of our music work. You oversee all of our visual effects work, all of those things. Um, But on this episode, it's not like it's heavy visual effects or anything like that. So what I was going to ask you, because the season is over, um, and I asked um, a couple podcasts ago, I asked Jennifer Bryan the same question. I was going to ask you about your approach to the show in general, um, I know that you know your uh, a good bit of your artistic and creative approach happens in the very very final stages, meaning the mix and how the sound is overall. You spend days on the mixing stage before you know Peter or Vince actually even sees the show. Um, and so, you know, you worked on Breaking Bad since season two. Um, is there a difference in your approach? Have you adjusted your approach in the years that's gone by? I mean, it's one of the things that you said to us, you say it often, but the one thing you say, I remember you saying just last week when we were in the mix was, the less notes that we have, the better job you guys feel like you're doing. And our notes have definitely gotten less in those mixes. No, they haven't. Really? I thought they had. <laughs> No. Really? No. My, my it just feels less.
6: like they're less. <laughs> but, I mean, I take my notes in a template, so I know exactly how many notes there are every okay. week. And I can see exactly week <laughs> to week how many there are versus the week before. Well,
0: we're not talking to – we're not giving notes on the same things. I mean – No, no. I be. mean,
6: it's, it's – it's, and it's not – you know, our goal is always when we mix the show, you know, and especially at this point after we've done this for however many years we've been doing this, you know, we – make a great effort to try to get things done to your tastes and what you guys want and we have a very long, you know, 3-hour spotting session with the music and sound team every every episode to kind of discuss what we want and how we want to tell the story with sound and what, you know, where we want the music to be and what we want certain things to sound like, especially when we're in a new location or new, you know, a new environment. It's always very important to to sell to sell those things the way these guys want them to be heard Um, and you know we always hope that our tastes are kind of in tune with what you guys want and we work really hard to present the best thing that we can present but it's always going to be a little bit different in your minds than it is in, in our minds and we always endeavor to get fewer notes but we fully expect to get lots of notes. Can I I tell
2: you, Diane and Diane, by the way, you know, I'm not just saying it because she's here. the best in the business. I can't Mm -hmm. imagine doing any project without you uh, from now on.
1: Uh, Not that you're suspicious, but that is said often on the podcast. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. The best in the business. business. About you. Absolutely. Yes.
2: And, and specific to the amount of notes, I'm not surprised that there are, aren't fewer notes. Now that I'm sitting here really pondering it, I don't. I'm not surprised that, that uh, the notes don't, you know, lessen, don't become fewer. And it has nothing to do with the quality that, that, that you guys impart to it, you and uh, Kevin and Larry and Nick and, uh, and Catherine and Jason. I think it's because it's sort of akin to the, it's the corollary of the work expands to f- fill the time. I think it's a similar analogy here in that, you know, we don't have to – the notes we give, I think if you, we may have as many in number notes as we always did, but I think the notes are more picayune and persnickety than yeah. they've ever I, been. And I would
6: agree with that. I yeah. definitely think that mm-hmm. we have fine tuned it yeah. to the point where I think you guys can give different notes than you were giving two years ago three yeah. years ago yeah. um mm-hmm. and i and i think that that just kind of that, that, that the overall quality of the mix is just improved oh, because absolutely. we get it closer but then you guys find more things that you want to but, adjust and and and, 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 yeah. and it's not there's no ego involved in it at all it's not no, like we're yeah. like oh crushed you know we're so crushed by all the notes it's all like right. it's part of the process and and i will say that there's nobody that comes to the playback we have a lot of people come to our playback but everybody comes with the best interest of the show yeah. at heart. Everybody knows the show so well. Everybody read all these scripts and seen all the episodes and they know the show's inside and out and everybody wants to make it better. And I never feel like we've walked out of a mixed stage and made it sound worse. It yeah. always is Good. better. Um, and, and I can't, I can't uh, there's been a lot of shows I've been on where I can't say that. Yeah, no that's, um, and, yeah. And I just feel cool. like uh, everything we do is always about trying to just push it that next level you know, yeah. that next level up, you know, that yeah. next level of quality higher. I mean, we're constantly reaching on yeah. this show for that. And it's really hard to do. But yeah. it, having history with these with this whole crew, it makes a huge difference.
2: The notes really are. I mean, back, maybe back in the early days, although I don't recall this either, but know it's possible in the early days some of the notes were – not opinion-based notes. They were simply, oh yeah. there's a little something here that needs to be fixed. The notes, as I, as I perceive it nowadays, are all just opinion notes. Just like, you know, I like a little more hot fudge on my Sunday. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I like a little yeah. more cheese on my pizza. Yeah. I just, they're not right or wrong, they're just opinion. They're
6: just, yeah. And, and
2: they're they're tiny. And, and, so.
3: and some of it has to do with the fact that uh, Phil Palmer and his team are on-set uh, sound recorders, They record the dialogue so beautifully. And it's so clean that it means that, that, that there's a lot more that we can do in, yeah. in sound.
1: We've um, said it before, too. It doesn't make sense how good his production sound is in some environments. He's extraordinary. Yeah. I that mean, would, he's
6: the best I've ever that seen. Is true. There was some, ever.
1: There was an example, actually,
3: uh, in, in Nine, where uh, Ray Sehorn was telling us that there was a sandstorm in the scene where they with the uh, the pump jacks. Mm-hmm. And she could barely hear the other actor. And yet... In the editing room, we could yeah. hear them both perfectly. So and, I don't, and there's I don't very few that's, loops that's like, in that that's, scene. Like, that's like crazy, crazy I, stuff. Few.
6: And <laughs> the entire scene that Bob did under the freeway overpass in episode 7, that entire scene under the overpass, the first time he's picking up the trash, there's not one loop in that entire
0: scene, wow. which no, is That one piece of dialogue is replaced. <laughs> yeah. Insane. Right. Yeah.
1: And he talked about, I remember in season one, uh, there's that, that long, incredibly long three-day shoot with uh, you, Bob, and Tuco, oh, and Nacho in, in the desert. Oh, it was God. super windy, and he said, sounds going to be a mess. I'm so sorry. And we didn't even know what he was We're talking like, about. What yeah, was know, the you, problem? You could hear everything almost always. It yeah. um, it was, it was, a, it, it is amazing, and a testament yeah. to the and that And that's talents.
6: really important, too, because it's so hard to duplicate a performance on an ADR stage. I mean, I'm sure you can... <laughs> it, 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 when you're in the moment, when the actors are in the moment, they're, you're never going to exactly duplicate that. You can get really close, but um, the physical effort of doing the performance mm-hmm. and just being there present with the other actor, um, yeah. it all makes it so much more visceral and real. And... and to pres- to be able to protect that to the level that we can on this show because of Phil's great work is is so so awesome. But
3: we do loop things occasionally, Bob. So what's that? What's that like when when you when you um, when you loop? What is what is that? What does that feel like? And you know,
5: the, uh, it's weird. I I feel like it was so um, unnerving to start with when I first was doing it. I felt like there's just no way it'll ever be what we did when we were acting this Mm -hmm. in Albuquerque five months ago, whatever, the emotion, whatever. But um, I think you guys use it so sparingly. Even though you might even record me saying a whole line, you might only use one word of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We do that as
6: much as we can. I trust
5: it a lot more now. I'm not intimidated by it anymore at Mm -hmm. all. And I don't even think of it as like like I have to – it's weird. It's just uh, I'm just not scared of it at all. Do you? Know? I, I feel like Catherine and has made me understand that you guys use the minimum amount. Like literally, I'll do a sentence and you'll use one word in the middle to cover a noise.
6: Sometimes just a fr- like a, a part of
0: part of a word. Yeah. A syllable. Yeah. So
5: so it doesn't scare me anymore. I think. If the character's just talking, it's kind of just a fun game to like fit your words back into your own mouth, <laughs> and and it's just kind of a hoot, and it's not. And I'm you you're amazed at how I don't know good you are at it, but how naturally you speak in the same rhythms, anyways. Like it's, mm-hmm. I can have the words in front of me, and I'm watching it for the first time, and you hear those boop boop boop, and then you say the line because you're reading it too. And it can even on that first time without having seen it once, you just you you naturally put it into the same cadence because you're just you, yeah. and yeah. and yeah. so it's just kind of a funny trick. Fit.
0: What I'm curious, what's it like when you are at ADR and somebody else, like an assistant, has subbed in a line for you? <laughs> what's in, that like?
5: Whatever, it's good. I, it's clearly not me, so yeah. it. It makes you smile. Does, yeah. does, <laughs> do you ever have
0: situations where the, the, the assistant or whoever was trying to sound like you? Did a job? No. No, did, it was trying <laughs> no, to sound uh, no, like no, you? No, no, no. Because that's what no. Chris and I've did. Seen, uh, Chris would do that a lot. And I've
5: well. seen, um, like, uh, I think it was the Spanish version, the dubbed Spanish, or was it French? I think it was Spanish. And they don't, they're not trying to sound like me either. They have huh. their own interpretation of who Saul is. Yeah. It's much it's based on understandably, it's based on who he was in Breaking Bad. Right. Mm, interesting. I don't know if it's the same actor, but it probably is the same actor.
6: I think a lot of them are actually. How about the fact that you
5: gave all those actors them. jobs? <laughs> <laughs> so cool. all, all the guys who subbed Saul's Man. voice in Breaking Bad are like Wait, I have the lead now? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, when you gave me the lead, you gave like 15 actors the lead. Yeah. Right. I, that. I love that. What a great thought. <laughs> Who'd been, you know, secondary character actors or whatever. of
2: llamo es Saul. <laughs> <laughs>
5: they all became leads. And but I'm, well, I'm fascinated true.
3: by what you said, too, that you think their interpretation of the character is different.
5: Well, the one I saw was the Spanish one I'm pretty sure and it was based clearly to me that I get it that's that's the guy you had play it in Breaking Bad but of course they didn't know what you guys would write and what how would be Jimmy would be fairly different yeah um so they just hired the same guy and probably told him I don't know it's the same character just yeah. do it like that yeah. well, that's kind that's of that's a little comical a little bit broader than how I play Jimmy yeah. and a little
2: bit louder and <laughs> yeah, is that are these folks you interact with uh, in, uh, as the post uh, supervisor? Um, I,
6: the one the closest I came to that we we deal with um, the like the Sony team that kind of services all the international clients okay. and it is a significant part of especially for this show because we are on the air we are available in many many countries around the world at the exact same time oh as we are here which God, is not what a, common. What a job, um, Jesus! But yeah. um. Netflix. Yeah, it's all Netflix. <laughs> that is Netflix. So they. Uh, mostly right? Netflix. There are a few other in, in Australia. It's not on Netflix. It's, it's something Stan, else, but but Spain I mean, it's Stan and Spain, is different as well. Yeah, I think in in England and I think Italy and France, it's Netflix. But is Germany each,
2: is each network responsible for dubbing. it? Into uh,
6: Sony is responsible. Sony's so Sony responsible. has in, vendors all over the world. That, wow. um, but I do remember in season one, there was, you know, because we were. I'm sure you guys have talked about it many times on the podcast, but we use code names for a lot of the characters, especially the returning characters from Breaking right, really Bad. Right. And then we have to sit down with people and verbally tell them because we don't want to send it in an email because then it can get forwarded to someone. I mean, yeah. we're so, so insanely tight with the security. And um, they were trying to cast uh, Tuco. And right. so we had to have a like, big conversation with the people that were casting because they did want to cast the same actor who had played Tuco and Breaking Bad, I think, in Spain again. But so, yeah, so there was a little, that, that's uh, about the most interaction I've kind of had gotcha. on, on that side of it. it.
3: It's fascinating to think about the way the show is presented internationally. Yeah. We, you know, we, we get, sometimes we get a look, uh, very kindly, Netflix and 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 some of these other services will send the advertising, uh, how the, the way they're planning to put over the show locally. And you can see that they're selling the show, they see the show differently. And I think like Bob says, they probably, I I think because we had maybe a little bit more input in the way in the way it was presented in the U.S. I think we were we were more conscious of trying to make it something new uh, when we when we started. And I think internationally, a lot of a lot of places that they tend to lean in a little bit more towards the Breaking Bad of it. Uh, having said that, you know we're always so appreciative of the fact that they're advertising it and promoting it, and that people are watching internationally. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's just amazing. You know back. When I started doing this, they used to say that the two things that would never travel globally were uh, baseball movies and TV shows, and then legal, because legal systems are different everywhere. Yeah, right. and right. the fact that that our show, which does have especially this, especially episode five of this season, has this legal legal aspect to it, That's and true. it's and still folks are watching it globally. Yeah, uh, it's just it's amazing. It's amazing. And you, Bob, you've been traveling a lot to a, a lot of these. I asked countries. about that very yeah.
5: question. I asked a journalist an Italian uh, blogger or whatever at some event they had for us in Berlin. I don't understand how this show travels when people's just the legal system, the setup is different. Do they have accident lawyers? Do they have the kind of lawyer that we all recognize as Saul, sort of right away from when we first met him in Breaking Bad and they said the guy said well no we don't all have that actually you're right but he said we've seen so much american culture that we know who you're ref we get what you're saying we get the kind of person he is and his place in the scheme of things and they probably have some off version of it you know Mm -hmm.
4: We've been, bl- uh, you know, America's been blanketing the world with our culture yeah. for decades. Yeah. And I think so much of it just gets absorbed that it becomes like, just like you said, they're able to look at that and know. And and I don't think maybe here we understand just how much American culture has kind of permeated a lot because of the am I'm, ar-
5: I'm over there and I don't see any lawyers' ads yeah. on billboards. Right. I don't see any. None. You none on
3: see. buses. None on... You don't see any pharmaceutical advertising either, which is which is illegal in most countries. Yeah, uh, pharmaceutical Amazing. advertising. Yeah, so there yeah. you, there you go. we maybe you know maybe we're an example for the world, maybe a cautionary example. <laughs> some cautionary. I no, America's. All
5: I like to say, America's number one, and Europe is what? What's up higher than number one? What's one so, point five?
3: One <laughs> no point five? Negative one? Wait, I, I don't, don't know. know whatever's closer. Yeah. yeah.
5: What's five? better than one? <laughs>
3: There we go. What's new?
5: <laughs>
3: so it's everybody's tweets you can get. Oh, yeah. So the scale America's number
5: one. So the scale is one to 10. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so we should, I, can you talk I, about the episode?
3: I have an episode ish question yeah. to ask for Bob. Just, yeah. Can you talk about working with Michael McKeon? Because I mean, I know your, your experience working with different Love actors that. is different, but what. What, what, uh, just how does, because obviously this episode has an enormous amount of a Well, it's a funny
5: thing. These guys, and I think of Michael as he's so experienced. And, you know, you were talking about rehearsals. He's up for rehearsals. Absolutely. But has less need for them than me and Ray and Patrick and, you know, Mando. I mean, less, yeah. he, he, you can tell he's just done sooner than we are. hmm um he's just done it a lot more than us and um anyway he's but he's great i mean he 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 is fully engaged with the moment and he did some heroic work this year i mean just the greatest and he had some hard days like physically hard long hours this season like anybody would have been beat to shit at the end of that day. And he went through it and just did it. I mean, he's a, he's a trooper and he's fucking
3: great. I mean, I have to say you're right. It, 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 I agree with everything you say. And the, Chuck's breakdown in this episode, you know, which obviously Jenny wrote beautifully and we, you know, we spent so much time talking yes. about, it had a really different impact on me in person. Oh, yeah. Uh, than, than on the page or even talking about it, because Michael, uh, he just he went to a place that was so much uh, deeper and more desperate than I think I even pictured. And he was it was it was it, I will say it was, it was a little scary to see him when he was really breaking up the place and oh, when he man. was when he was when he's when he's moving that mm. when he's taking the hammer to his wall and and all all those things. Uh, it, it, I felt so. I, I felt. I felt uh, you know, fearful for him, not for the character, in a way that I wasn't. I wasn't expecting. He. He is. It was. It was a, That. That. Were, those were a remarkable uh, few days. And of course, like you say, physically, incredibly physically taxing. Yes. He had to do all that stuff, and he had to work it out. And I. I remembered wondering how that was going to work, and then we had a moment. I think Jenny was there where we had him uh, practice. On a, a, the art department had put up had put up a section of wall for him to just to figure out how he was going to hit this thing, and he went after it with such gusto that I was oh this is going this is really going to work. And I, I also have to while we're talking about walls, I have to give props to um, as we have in many episodes to Michael Novotny, his whole team, especially Steve Brown, because breaking up Chuck's house. Of course, Chuck's house is a beautifully built set, yeah. but it is a set. So whenever you break through a wall on a set, you just see nothing, and so they had
2: to put <laughs> so dude eating a sandwich in the other side. <laughs> <had> <laughs> exactly. Sometimes literally. Yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
3: So they had to. They had to put. Behind each wall, a uh, the 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 support, the, all the supports insulation. and the, the insulation, and everything, and they had to have sections of wall because we sometimes we had to do, we want to do more than one take that would mm-hmm. that would fly in and fly out. There was just a tremendous. This this was a. I don't know if it looks like it, but this was a very art department uh, centric oh, episode. There that that was looks a lot. Very of, much it like, like that. that. There was yeah. a lot. There was just a, so much work and so much uh, devotion to the show, and, and also, you know, I think uh, everyone was really sorry to see that beautiful set get destroyed yeah. the way it was. I, I hope you can see I hope you can see it in the final product. Well, I can hope Michael just, gets some recognition I, for oh well. Sometimes. Oh, my God. You yes. know, I think
5: sometimes if a person's done as much as he has, I don't know if the business goes, oh, yeah, he's great, <laughs> and they just aren't really noticing the level of excellence and power that he's bringing that, you know, is... You know, he's really wildly yeah. killing it, standing out, and it just deserves so much attention. I can't – I I really hope he gets nominations for awards and gets the attention and wins those, those – From your
4: mouth to God's ear. Yeah. Awards I, as well, yeah. I think it's really interesting because, you know, Michael McKean is such a – I mean, he's – primarily known before now as a comic actor he's so funny oh, yeah. and Chuck is so inherently humorless in so many yeah. ways I mean yeah. this is a guy who can't tell a joke because he just can't tell a joke he just doesn't have that thing yeah. for Michael to someone like Michael McKeon, to sell that yeah. that's so much skill right right there right. that appears invisible because yeah. when someone's good really point. good at something and and but yeah so many people I know uh you know talk to me oh I love him he's so funny but God like this character is so. I, yeah. I don't like him, or he's so humorless. It's amazing oh, that he yeah. can communicate that. Um, yeah. And oh. he's he's amazing in this episode. And, and when I watched the cut, um, I had a really intense emotional reaction at the end oh that God. I hadn't expected. Um, because obviously I've been living with you know what, this whole episode for so long, right. but it just it really hit me really strongly, and uh, I kind of had the most sort of like empathy and and sort of regret for that character that I've ever had. And so much of that is entirely, you know, on, on Michael's shoulders yeah, and, and his performance. It's,
1: if you've had any close experience with mental illness and yeah. seeing it physicalized like that, it was really, it was done beautifully in this, which is a testament to the acting and the writing and the directing and the editing it, and the music. It, it it was it was such a stark and haunting uh physicalization of a mental illness and to see it happen i've and i've i have some experience with it it it, it was uh, it felt very much uh, it it struck my heart seeing it and it reminded me of being in that place with another person and and uh, i i think it's a really important thing to see that and the work that was done is is really exceptional i agree is there i gotta ask everyone the million dollar question for me we
2: hear we've heard for and and so many people dislike Chuck, the character, not the actor, but the, the, not Michael, but Chuck. So many people, my dad, you know, my mom, everyone, everyone <laughs> t- every people I talk to, people stop me in the street. God, I hate Chuck. I hate Chuck. <laughs> what do you guys think? I mean, the folks listening will know better than we will. We can only guess, but I, 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 wonder if people feel different about him now that they've seen.
5: I haven't seen this ending. I, but, I can't wait. to No, see I know,
2: it. but you, I, yeah, I think.
4: I think there's. I mean, I think. I don't I, like, like him. <laughs> I, mean, I mean the character I mean, Bob, Bob, you Bob, Bob doesn't don't like, like him. Like him, him. I I don't like like you Bob don't like him?
5: Emissary. I, both of those versions of me don't like <laughs> wow. yeah. I mean, yeah. we all have our problems <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's our challenge to try to get to overcome them somewhat or make mm-hmm. some progress in them and he seems like a guy who hasn't tried.
4: Wow. I think that and I think that's why and I think that's the key to Chuck is and why he's so tragic and I think this episode and the episodes leading up to it that was sort of the thing we were talking about because you know as Chris said you know being a if you've dealt at all with mental illness or, or had somebody in your life who has it's incredibly complex and um there's always sort of a time in you know someone's life where it's like this is it. I this is this is just how it is. There's no changing it, and obviously that's not true. But when you're in it, you can't really see that. Yeah. And sort of dealing with a character and saying how do we want to tell the story in a way that you know sort of honors that experience without being like well there's never an answer. Um, and presenting no there is. You know Chuck, he makes some strides in the previous episodes. Yeah. Um, and then there's just that thing that it's like there's that block within him that doesn't allow him to completely change to sort of push through whatever it is with him and Jimmy and seeing him deteriorate in this episode so quickly when we saw him kind of making at least some movements in the right direction but maybe not fully committing to that process is I think the reason why this episode and watching it was so upsetting for me, is yeah. because you can yeah. see you could be okay. Yeah. Like there is a way to deal with this, and, and him not being able to for whatever reason, or not being willing to, or, or being so deep within what's going on with him that, that yeah. he can't make that stride. And then also compared to Jimmy, who in the previous episodes is sort of, you know, deteriorating into more of Saul. And then in this episode, it's trying to pull back towards, you know, Jimmy. Yeah. And how those interrelate with each other. And, and obviously, we've watched Breaking Bad, so we know that Jimmy yeah. kind of loses that battle yeah. and becomes Saul. And yeah. how those processes work and, and wanting to make them as sort of complex and real as possible. It's, it's a real challenge, but I think that's why this episode plays as tragic as it does, is if we had just said, well, there's, there's only one answer for Chuck... I don't think it would be as emotionally resonant. Yeah, it but agrees. showing that there is, and and the does thing that, that
2: makes me sadder because I've always had a bit more sympathy for the devil here, so to speak, than than maybe most viewers. But I, he was making such good strides, and he wanted them. He wanted to be well, and then he says that terribly mean thing to his brother, and it's so beautifully played. The scene, the scene where where uh, where you go to visit your brother for the mm-hmm. last time, and I know you haven't seen the episode yet. Yeah. You go to visit your brother for the last time. Well, you know what? What looks to be the last time? Who knows? But I mean, it, it, that ending looked pretty. I think we could leave that in. It looks to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but uh, it looks to me like that might have been it. And uh, and he says, and the acting is so wonderful on both part on both your parts. Uh, but he's he's so he says it without any any feeling any any feeling of emotional. Uh, of any emotion underneath it, any negative or better emotion. But he says, you know, Jimmy, you just didn't mean that much to me. Yeah. You just never did. But he says it's so matter-of-factly. It doesn't even feel cold. It's unbelievably cold. Yes. But it doesn't feel like there's any extra spackle of coldness or anger or bitterness underlying it. It feels absolutely matter-of-fact. Yes. And yet, the way I read it, He was saying he was—he's a smart enough guy to know Mm -hmm. that if you—the revenge is a dish best served cold, or whatever the expression is—to not not put any stink on it whatsoever, just say it as matter-of-factly as possible will be the most hurtful thing in the world he could do. And to me, I don't—you know—I'm not telling anyone else what to think, but I mean, just as a fan, as a viewer watching this, I think that's—he just. I think this man got sick in our version. I don't think this is a accurate representation of real life mental illness. This is a this is a, an analogy or a metaphor or whatever in our version, but mm-hmm. a very artfully and skilled one. But it, it this is like the man is sick because he's because his 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 soul is sick. It's not his brain, it's just his his uh, he some better angel of his nature wants him to be a better person and and love his brother and be more generous toward his brother and be more kind and be more understanding and he just can't do it except that when he can't do it and when he's so nasty and so terrible and negative to his brother the the the, the, the illness comes out and it's just uh, you know it's just it was such a sad ending. I'm still thinking about it. It was a week ago that I saw it. It's just Mm. really something, but but I wonder if people are going to feel a little more sympathy for this guy, who I think the way I read him, he wants to be better than he is. He just can't, he just can't brook the pride and the ego and the and the jealousy, the raw seething jealousy that he has for his younger brother. Oh. there's
3: there's a moment Bob when when he says what he says to you and it's the end of the scene uh, Jimmy it's this this episode I, th- I think is a whole for me I don't know how it was for you this was a scary episode in a lot of ways because the characters especially Jimmy and Kim are so raw you mm-hmm. know there's so, there's usually our characters kind of have a layer of distance from themselves they're a little bit I don't want to say they're cynical but they're not they're they're not feeling on the nose you know they're not they sometimes they're not even sure what they feel they're playing a role and, and in this in this episode there are some scenes where uh it's just raw it's just it's it's a raw nerve and and I had to this is one of the reasons why I was so glad Jenny was was there because that's not necessarily something I'm super comfortable with I I tend to be I tend to be out of touch with my own emotions and with every, I don't like I don't like strong feelings and so so to do this really was a uh it really, it really was. It was going to a scary place for me. And I think for you know when, when you when he says that to you, Jimmy, Jimmy is so open in, when he comes in to there. At least the way I read it, the way you really want to try to meet this. You want You want to renew the relationship. Yeah. I, I feel. I feel it. I can see it. Yeah. And then he's hurts so bad. I, mean, I think you would have stayed and kept at him if if he hadn't said something that hurtful maybe. right and right. you just you're just it's it's terrible to see how, how hurt jimmy is by that yeah wow well, i can't wait to see it <laughs> <laughs> well you got I'm, it's coming up
5: soon i, That's I know, I'm, I'm I know you, have, yeah, to, yeah, I know to you have to
0: get out of here yeah. bob but can you talk very quickly about um because we haven't talked about it about um uh jimmy and kim because of the car accident and the changes and, and realizations that uh, Jimmy has to make once he realizes what has happened and how really they're going to have to give up the office, give up the law firm, mm. have Kim camp out in, in the in the apartment and the, the sacrifices that you're going to have to make because, I mean, my interpretation is because Jimmy didn't see what was going on with her and the the extra work that she took on to kind of help him out. Yeah, well... Or maybe um, you didn't think of it that way. But there are amazing scenes. Yeah. In, I know you haven't seen them, but they are amazing I haven't scenes between seen the two them. of them. I event.
5: haven't seen anything after 5, so I'm a little... And, and you know, I do lose track of the story because I'm playing the moment of that course. I'm in and I'm not thinking about at what I did last week. And, and then when it's over, my I just forget everything <laughs> yeah. i just i just well it has been probably health well, liberating you kind of you have to the, yeah, it's you been kind months. of do yeah. and it's fun then to watch it and go like oh right <laughs> yeah um it really is i really enjoy the show um here's what i think about jimmy and kim i love this season and i loved how much they enjoyed each other and supported each other right from kim Even though she gets mad at Jimmy in the car, but right from um, last season where Kim doesn't, she sides with Jimmy when Chuck um, accuses him him in front of her and and, and explains what happened. She sides with Jimmy, and from that moment on, there is just an extra level of these two people are a team. They're going to support each other even in – even when one of them does something wrong, it, and she's not letting him off the hook. She's not saying, I'm, del- I'm deluded. She's saying, you fucking asshole. But I'm on his side. <laughs> We're on this same team. And that's just a, and there's a great positive side to that. And here Jimmy is feeling bad about letting her take on so much. And, um, and you know, he wants it to work even more than her, he wants it to work, I think. And they both are, another great thing about it is, I think both of them are aware of the gaps in their uh, approach to life. The ways in which they're the same, which are a lot, and the ways in which they differ. And they kind of have the right mix to make it work. uh, From my perspective, they still have to work at it, they still have to make an effort, they still have to overcome a few things, but they have a lot in common. They have enough in common uh, when you look at relationships and, and the challenge of carrying through ups and downs. And, and so it's, a, it's weirdly, it's like they have a really pretty great relationship. Um, I don't think if you asked either of the characters What's your blind spot regarding Kim? Or what's the ways in which you frustrate Kim? What's the ways in which over a long period of time it won't work for her, the way you behave, the way you manage your life? Jimmy could tell you, Mm -hmm. and he'd be right. And you could say the same to Kim. You could say, it's great that you want to be with Jimmy. It's wonderful that you guys share a lot. You know a certain joy and you you connect at times that are so easygoing and wonderful but what are the what are the problems you two have when you look at jimmy and she could tell you and she'd be right and that's really great it's and it and they choose to try to make it work and they have a lot of you could also ask either character what are the ways in which the other person makes you happy and the. Times you connect, and they could tell you, and and so it's a really great relationship where both people are aware of the challenges and the joys, and they're they're going to try to make it work. That's an amazing thing to play, to present, to write, and uh, and then and to, to see. <laughs> it's so it's so uh, fun
6: to watch them together. The know?
5: way in which it, I mean, I don't see how it. I guess there's a chance that Saul and Kim are married and she's in another. She's up in Santa Fe now, and they. I mean, look, Marley Matlin and. Or, right, wait, no, now um, Mary Madeline or. Oh James Carvel and Mary Yeah, that's a good example. That's a good, exam- that's a good exam- a I example. I mean, maybe they're married and they got two wonderful kids. And Dad <laughs> goes to Albuquerque and is a fleas ball and Mom goes to huh. Santa Fe and. Is like
2: paints uh, yeah. oils, yeah. And it, but,
5: <laughs> yeah. but also runs one yeah. of the top offices in the yeah. state. You yeah. know, law offices yeah. in the well, state. This is
3: the most cheerful version I've heard yet. I like <laughs> you never heard this like idea, this. right? I like this idea.
5: Jimmy literal. Saul literally goes to the strip club. Just for appearances, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he shuts his eyes. He all looks, time. he
5: gets, puts his timer on his phone. And when it goes off, he slips out and heads back to a very nice suburb. And is a great dad. I like and it. and <laughs> I like his it. wife is the
2: uh, is
5: the uh, state. Uh,
2: the state, uh, the state attorney, the attorney State's general, attorney, yeah, the attorney
5: general for New Mexico. He gets home.
2: He takes off the lime green socks. He puts on a black turtleneck. Yeah. And In the car, his, driving. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. yes. In the car, he's <laughs> takes he his socks and, and his he, shoes. And he uh, and he gets home and he puts uh, he puts Miles Davis on his uh, on his uh, turntable oh, with the so with great. the uh, vacuum uh, tube amps. I and want he, to see a guy change
5: yeah. his suit I from a garish. Saw Goodman suited to a reasonable suburban dad suit like in it. the car while driving between Albuquerque and Santa You have just enough time.
0: Take you He has to take minutes. the Cadillac and put it in storage in the other car. the other, Yes, the, other car is the, right. the
2: sob is in the driver. He yeah. tucks away the Cadillac and he's got the, yeah, right. <laughs> it's, now he's oh, exactly. like
0: Batman. I like it I like It it was a little bittersweet saying goodbye to Francesca knowing what we know
5: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she's such a great
2: actress. She's, she's wonderful. Songwriter. Tina Parker is so wonderful. Yeah, she, we're talking she's about a that way back. Sweet lady. Was, uh, was a podcast for one and two or two rather. Uh, God, she's and she's oh she's a sweetheart, but she's yeah great actress.
5: She's really good. So good. this good. She's season.
0: coming out of the office, and he's like, "So, can I follow you home? No, no. <laughs> that's <laughs> on Breaking awesome Bad. Man. Yes, <laughs> <So> <laughs> that's what,
3: that was great." You, we still haven't gotten there. Yeah, we haven't but gotten to the But I, like I then. love, yeah, I love what you're saying. The, Tina made a choi- made some choices this season that I think just paid off so beautifully. Oh, yeah. And one is just the way she handles Kim, like, 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 because you know Kim is not the easiest boss. Uh, even though she tries to be very nice, she's super persnickety yeah. about having everything done just right. And she, she always treats her with this little edge. Like I, I hope you don't go off on me yeah. this time. <laughs> and then Jim, she learns to be suspicious of Jimmy, and that's that's kind of yeah. that's kind of sad.
0: I like how she sneaks the Hawaii magazine <laughs> yeah. every once in a, that's a while. That's right. That's fun. That's right.
3: That good. That was an episode eight. Yeah. We should uh, we should probably wrap it up. I
1: don't I
5: promise. have one more yeah. question.
0: Wait, wait. I heard there wasn't there was something about you didn't want to eat a Dorito.
5: Oh, I hadn't had a Dorito in like 30 years. And I know they're loaded with crazy, like, <laughs> they're just a, a weird chemical concoction. Uh, you know, that's all they are is like, you know, a few kernels of corn that are then blasted with chemicals. <laughs> so I was like, I don't want to put this weird, you know, chemical in my mouth. But... Oh my God! Oh my I mean, I couldn't friggin' believe it, and, and not just one, like I know, like twenty of them, and like every single one of them, like blew my brain receptors out. I mean, just completely. Yep. It's insane what they've done. It it only is a testament. By the way, it is a testament to yes, the chemical, uh, you know, efforts of the chemists who make Doritos.
2: Because there is no such thing in nature as nacho cheese. No, they,
5: the guys, the the people in the labs who make Doritos, they're good at what they do. Yes, they are. And and. Yeah, they lit up parts of my brain. I bet if you did an MRI, <laughs> right? That's
2: That
4: should be their next commercial. The nacho cheese brain.
2: portion of the amygdala. Yeah. This I, is, I,
4: this I is think, why science matters, you guys. <laughs> that's right. I, the, reason, the
3: reason Kelly knows this is because I told her that was your last day of shooting on this season. And you were eating. You were every eating those Doritos, and, and you stopped. You stopped for a moment, and you told the. You did like this great thirty seconds. Yeah. Just like.
5: Well, uh, it was for, like, every take of the first one, you go like, "Well, I haven't had this in thirty years," and so all these parts of my brain and my tongue that haven't been touched are being. <laughs> <been> touched. <laughs> and then, you, you just, I just figured by the fifth one, it would just be a zero because a lot of, a lot of times that's how food is. Yeah. Are you but sneaking it out of was the house? A man- I haven't <laughs> had one since, but now you're making me think. <laughs> I, got I, I mean, I don't think. <laughs> I don't think it'll kill you. <laughs> easy,
2: no. you moderation, no. moderation. Everything in moderation. Not easy to and do with those being healthy.
3: Boy, I'll tell you. Right?
5: Well, we may. Jimmy may be uh, eating
3: some more Doritos next season. We'll see. All right, it's okay with
2: me. I want to hear about that teaser. Yeah, I want well, to. Well, I, with I that. have
3: to give props to uh, Gabriel Rush, who played young Chuck. And Cole Whitaker, who played young Jimmy, but uh, Gabriel, just when we saw him audition, we just said, "This, this, this guy is is he obviously made a study of Michael McKeon uh, before his audition, and he is a really interesting young actor. He's he's I think he's seventeen, and he is a, he's emancipated, uh, and and that that particular shot was just such a wonderful team effort from our whole our whole production in Albuquerque. Uh, we had, you know, we had to the, just the, what I asked for was physically almost impossible, wow. and so the way it was done was with a um, the, the super techno crane uh, on tracks in the. Is tracks it really
0: are, a super techno crane? And a, aside from the regular techno crane, it is.
3: It's a. I think it's a super techno crane because of it, it has a longer reach.
0: So we'd it, actually called the
3: super. It 99. is. It is a, It is. <laughs> is it a
2: seventy-five foot one or is it the?
3: That I don't remember. But, but the technocrane my, my basically department goes department.
2: in and out. Yes. It's like a telescope. Like a like a, like a, yes. like a power uh, radio antenna. Yes. So and, I, and I have to give a
3: special out. props to uh, uh, Aubrey Hauser, our our key grip, uh, who is just you know who who had who had to work this whole thing out. We looked at a location to do the uh, to do this shot. Uh, and then he just said, "There's no, you know, I don't think we've got the room to put all the machinery here," because uh, I specifically didn't want to do it. I, I think when we broke it in the room, we wanted it to be a very smooth movement, so we didn't really want it to have that feel that you get with Steadicam. I think if we'd done it with Steadicam, you would feel like somebody was sneaking up on these two boys, right. like it was like yeah. a like a like a Friday the Thirteenth right. or a Halloween Halloween kind of situation. So we wanted it to be a, a, the thing I had in mind personally. Uh, was if, I don't know if you remember the way back when there was the HBO logo, uh, the HBO intro where the the camera would oh, swoop yeah. over the yeah, model, swoop over the, they'd city. Swoop oh, over the model. Yeah, yeah. So, it was actually a motion control shot of a model. Oh, uh, was it? And it it, it was, was all done in a computer. Uh, not oh. the not the one I'm thinking wow, about it was cool. a, it was a real model. Yeah. I had that in mind and I, I told uh, Marshall and Aubrey and everybody uh, kind of kind of uh, piled in and helped make it. Where Michael Novotny actually dressed a. Uh, the backyard of a disused fire station, wow. uh, in order to do that. And those two boys were great. And it's a very complicated shot. The very first take was usable. Wow. So it's, it's it's just a it's a it's a remarkable group. But then of people you did eleven
2: there. more. Yeah. We did, we, we, did. did nine. <laughs> we
3: did nine. We did nine. We did nine. We did
2: nine. Okay. Uh, but and, and I am not making fun. No. I am the king of all. I, I don't think anyone ever went more takes than I did for one time on Breaking Bad. So I'm not. And by the way. You damn well better do more than one take if it's a water that is your entire teaser. <laughs> That's right. <You laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I was worried that there'd be something I hadn't seen. Oh yeah, no, was, you were smart to do more.
2: And is that the first time ever on either show we had a teaser that was a water? I'm drawn. Um, I know. I know. can't be right.
6: It's it's not okay. technically. We had we had one that appeared to be a water in actually uh, episode. 208. 208 I was gonna it say, that wasn't was solved, that the big, uh, which was the oneer of um, the uh, badger the, getting arrested?
2: Oh, y- yeah, and that but, wasn't
6: really a oneer.
2: Well, but but on top of that, then then when the cop showed up there, I think it did cut to a different angle anyway, yeah. right? Mm, did it? It was
3: it was it yeah it did it did and was and the, in fact it was it was a oneer we just had to shorten it up so yes. uh, skip skip well, McDonald added some cuts very very yeah. cleverly right. Way back on break, and then of course in in uh, Better Call Saul last season we had the yeah I was gonna
2: the, say
0: wasn't that a teaser
2: yeah, yeah. it's not remotely a wanner though it's a it's an amazing shot I'm not taking anything away from it but that's only the beginning of the teaser and then the guy goes out oh, to the desert true, of he, and he buries the gun or, oh, that's or, or, true. or he gets the gun rather I was gonna or, say it started out, that yeah, that yeah. that ain't a wanner I mean uh, the, uh, counting the whole teaser this this teaser is an absolutely a
1: wanner with uh, no ifs ands or buts Well is it? yeah and even when a, sh- a shot is perfect technically sometimes there could be little bumps was there any stabilizing that had to get done yes uh, a little
6: bit yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we did well, yeah, but it, the, it, the only things we're it's so we are doing to now. that shot is we were stabilizing there's like a little bit of a shimmy and there. a, a was lateral was a, like a lateral movement that just didn't feel quite organic to it and um we had to take out our um our, our Philly building that haunts us every once in a while. It yes. was in the background when Mike was in Philly, and so that's Philly to us, and so now when we see it other places, we have to take it out. Honestly, A lot though, of shows
1: wouldn't take it out, and I think it's, a, it's a, again, a testament to that attention to detail.
6: Yeah,
0: yeah. Honestly, though. Because you
2: barely I, saw it. I saw it uh, yeah. before you took it out. So I, God bless you guys for taking it out. Sorry, I felt cook.
0: like you didn't really. I felt Peter wanted to take that shimmy out. I never really saw the shimmy. You, it could have played,
1: but it's great that it's, you. It's really good that it's uh, really good that
0: we the, we have the. Yeah, the ability. technology
1: is advanced to where you can make something. It's just a little tiny thing that makes something ten times better. Yeah, it's yeah. it's huge. And right? I also have
3: to give our, our dolly grip, Jacks, uh, who who was who was actually walking with the head the whole time, walking wow. walking with the camera the whole time, because of course we had a uh, a tent with two two boys, and also those boys, and and you know especially. I don't want to talk. I don't want to spend the whole time talking about this one scene. But especially Cole, you know, who's a really young kid. There's this giant camera that he knows is coming towards his <laughs> left, his yeah. right shoulder, and he doesn't. He never looks at it. He does, You don't. You. I never once saw him sneak a look at it or anything. I. I don't think, frankly, I don't think I could have done what he did and just paid attention to the other actor. Be just because there's all this apparatus kind of approaching out of the night. Uh, so that was it was a, that was a, I have to say that was a really a really fun piece to do, and it was it was fun to work with those two young actors. That's
2: a wonderful shot. Can we talk about the emotion of it? What uh, I mean, I it's so it's so bittersweet, especially once you've seen the whole episode. You watch it a second time. You want to talk about the, the feeling, the meaning of it, and the writing of it?
4: Yeah. I mean, the teaser was something we kind of thought about. Uh, sometimes when we're breaking the episodes, we start with the teaser. And sometimes we end up going back and breaking a teaser after we have a better idea of what the episode's about, and find, see if there's something that works that it sort of you know it relates to the episode thematically in, in a nice way. Um, you know, we've done a lot of Chuck and Jimmy flashbacks. Um, we like the idea of going back even further. And we like the idea of doing something where it was like a moment where these uh, two were relating on some sort of an emotional level. And the idea of um, Chuck taking care of Jimmy in any way uh, was really appealing. But we didn't want it to be maudlin yeah. or sentimental. Yeah. Um, and so we had that element where there's an you know Chuck's also a tiny bit annoyed with Jimmy when Jimmy asks questions you know it's it's not just you know, when Jimmy says, "Is she gonna be okay?" You know, it's not like, "Of course, of course, she'll be." It's right, like, just right. listen. You right. know, and but but
2: he hits it real. Mild. He, hits it's very, real yeah. he hits it real mellow. He hits it like a, an a, older brother would. Yeah, yeah.
4: And so, if you're just watching that scene, you don't know these characters. You'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's an older brother reading to a younger brother." Yeah. But in relation to the episode, it, yeah. it it feels like at what point did that rivalry start? Yeah. Was it always there, or was this a moment before that happened? Um, Interesting. And so it was nice to sort of just i don't know see the kids together being brothers uh,
3: that maudlin was the word that i was worried about i remember jenny really uh, jenny helped talk me through a lot of things on this episode because it is so emotional and it's and it's it's, it was a tricky episode for me on that level but uh, the the original pitch uh, i don't remember how it came about but the original pitch was pulling back from the tent and then seeing the whole backyard, and seeing, yeah. seeing uh. and, and it and, it, and I, I kept on thinking, you know, this feels so, it felt, I don't wanna, it's not a bad thing, it feels like 80s Spielberg in a way, and it was kind of romanticizing, romanticizing the relationship in a weird way, and then uh, somebody, probably Jenny, came up with yeah. the idea of making it uh, close in on that lantern, which yeah. becomes so
4: important later. Great idea. Yeah, I think I just pitched reversing it. Yeah, which, great you know, idea. hey. <laughs>
1: Well, it really, and that's, that teaser informs the entire episode and, and in retrospect informs the entire series. Yeah. And it, and when, when Chuck says, you just never really mattered that much to me, we know that's that's not... It's a lie. It's, it's not lie. true. But yeah. e, And even if he believes it, because uh, I think ultimately in all of his actions, Chuck has been so focused on himself and his own goals and his own needs mm-hmm. over anybody else's and doesn't really, you know, and he's, he's alienated everybody in his life who've tried to care for him, yeah. uh, you know, he, cause he just, it needs to be about him. And I, mm. I, I, I found it to be a really, a really moving way to start this episode that is about the ultimate, or it's by all appearances, the ultimate unraveling of this relationship, which is already so horribly broken. Yeah. And it, it is nice to see something before. It got shattered to pieces. Yeah, it's just
2: yeah. so bittersweet. Can I say one last thing about this teaser? This, this, this goes to show you, and this is the magic of television, if you ask me, versus a movie. And and by that I mean, they're very similar creatures, and yet in a big way they're not. When you set forth to make a movie, the whole script's written. If you're smart, <laughs> you know it's whole thing's ready to go, and you shoot it, and then what you got is what you got. The beauty of television is that. You get to roll with it. You get to, if uh, if you're lucky, you get to watch closely, be attentive to what you have versus what you think you want or what you think you have. And when you do that, you get magical little little Easter eggs that come your way. Or uh, that's maybe not the best metaphor for it, but you. All of this to say, you guys took a throwaway. Reference to uh, the book, uh, uh, the Adventures of Mabel, that was in the first episode at the beginning of this season.
3: Which, which, by the you wrote that that then it's it's uh, it's it's a shout out to your mom, right? Yeah, it was
2: a shout out to my mom who used to read that to my brother Patrick and and to me. And it was a throwaway. It was a fun thing to put in, but it was a it was a throwaway. It wasn't. It was not intended to have any resonance further. It it was a it was a mechanism with which to get the two brothers talking uh, warmly, and then and then Chuck slams the, slams the window on Jimmy, so to speak. And, and you guys took that and ran with it and came up with this wonderful teaser that is so bittersweet, especially, I mean, when you watch it, it's, a, it's what I love about, and why we work so hard, all of us all over the years work so hard to create something that bears multiple viewings, that, that in fact encourages not just bears, but encourages multiple viewings you watch this and it's great, Uh, the first time you're like, yeah, that's fun, it's two brothers. Okay, it ends on a lantern. Yeah, no, I get it. He's got electrical issues and the lantern, you know, this is going to foreshadow him not, you know, needing this for light. Like, no, wait, watch the whole thing. You watch it again, you watch it the second time, you're like, God, this is so sad. Mm. It just crushes me watching this thing a second time. It's just uh, well done.
3: And, and, of course, uh, the for really sharp-eyed viewers, uh, the book, The Adventures of Mabel, is in uh, the very last scene, too, of the episode.
0: you got to be pretty dang sharp-eyed, because it's do. not even in focus, though. You do. <laughs> you do. know what, though? The, the audience off. always notices right. things right. that I never do. They're,
2: they're, I won't be a bit we surprised. We have a bunch of see.
3: geniuses watching yeah. the show. And, Wes uh, McFloss. Wes McFloss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, so yeah, the, 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 I, I you know it's interesting because you wrote that scene between uh, Jimmy and Chuck, and in the, in the, that was the episode that we wrote together, and I was so taken by. In fact, that's one of my favorite scenes of the season. Wow, uh, talking about. And if if there had been a way for us to get that little uh, Donald Duck knockoff <laughs> nightlight, nightlight night into the into the into the teaser, I think it would have been, it would have been there too. There are other clues in there that I think. And again, this is the, our crew is so amazing. I don't know who suggested, but the baseball bat that Chuck uses later in the episode is actually there in in the tent. I don't know. I guess he he must he must have held on. uh, on. on. And there was also a selection of 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 vintage toys and 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 gags, gag shop gags, and all sorts of things in there that. uh, I don't know if you can see, uh, but it's a little bit of a where's Wall
2: I love the design of the tent. I love the homemade d- flavor of the tent. It's and
0: very vintage Boy Scout. Nice. Isn't yeah. It? yeah, that's 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 Michael. <laughs> like vintage Novo- Boy Michael Scout Novotny. jamboree or something. Yeah, yeah it, that's
3: Michael Nova And it's it's the nice thing about it is that it's it's something that it's this crazy ass piece that we came up with in the writers room, and to see everybody work so hard on making it real mm-hmm. is is really fun. I'll uh, tell
0: you what, one of my favorite scenes um, of the of the show is and actually one of my favorite seasons of the season and I can't say I wish that uh, Patrick was here because I can't say enough good things about Patrick I mean and uh, of course Michael McKean as well but really I, I was really really excited about Patrick's work in uh, the scene where he pays off Chuck Oh that's oh, a great yeah. scene in the, um, in the Beautifully room. shot that scene It really is I wrote is. that in it my really notes how many really great shots shot. there are And it's funny because when I cut that scene um, you know as as a lot of scenes there was a lot of footage and it's a long scene and it is with only you know it ends up with only the two characters but the timing of it is very very iffy and I tend to cut I don't think that I do but then when I watch my own work um, usually before I turn in an editor's cut I'm like man I tend to cut things very very loose meaning I'll cut a lot of air in in scenes Um, And it's usually just because I'm feeling my my way through emotionally. Um, It's what my heart tells me to do. And then later I'll look at a scene and, oh, my God, I can pull this out, pull that out, and, you know, um, get things a lot shorter. But that scene really didn't change at all. Mm. Um, And I was really surprised because I spent a long time sitting around staring, you know, with Howard staring at first. You don't really – you know where you are, but you don't know what he's doing. And then you spend – I spend time with Chuck – you know look and he finally looks up at howard and then you open out and see the room and um, and we watched that peter and we didn't really change the timing of that i think howard might have got a little shorter
3: no i, I was so i this this the, the the cut that you did on this episode really was really was great and and i loved so so there are so many scenes that i barely touched uh, coming in coming in as a, up for my uh, producer slash director's cut uh, it was it was uh, it, it, and we, it should be that way because we've worked together now. Yeah, this I don't is know like how the many third, epi-
0: fourth, something we've like done. That.
3: We've done quite a few episodes together. <clears throat> and it was not. It, it was that those that particular scene. I I was really happy with. In fact, that whole beat at H H M, with 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 uh, Chuck and, and Hamlin and, the and work all, all that, those folks
0: that Patrick did was like yeah. especially when he says like you can just see. The the tremble in his lips. I was gonna just say yeah. that
2: yeah. Yeah. when he writes him the check, or, or yeah. it, he gives him the check, you won. And it, it, there's anger, but there's also sadness and betrayal. And uh, when he's there's a little quiver in his lip. Mm-hmm. It's, I was it's just really say unexpected. Say that. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 unexpected, just, it's
0: such yeah. an amazing and a break in his voice. You yeah. won. You won. Yeah. It's it's fantastic.
2: It's such a mix of emotions. Was that? Were you? Well, you know, I was just gonna done?
6: say uh, that that is. I think Patrick did extraordinary work this entire season I agree. but that scene on the page was so wonderful to read and then it was just at a completely uh, like transcendent level when I when I watched the cut Mm -hmm. I mean I just the the because you know he's sort of like a surrogate brother I think to Chuck Mm -hmm. in some ways maybe a son but you
0: know he's he's his his protégé exactly you know I mean he's He's the one who 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 knows the law and yeah. knows all the things. And, and he, and he just,
6: defers to Chuck. I mean exactly. as 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 uh, Howard says in right. the scene, you know, I've deferred to you because I always thought that, you know, you know, you're your brilliant legal mind and you've always had the best interests of the firm mm-hmm. at heart and 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 it's it's so tragic. I mean in what world?
0: In what world do you ah. sue me? Yeah. over this. I'm yeah. sorry to bastardize your words, there, Jenny. I know yeah. he says in what world. Though?
3: Jenny just Jenny just wrote the hell out of this whole script, uh, and then she makes it look so easy, uh, which which <laughs> right. it really when you read when you read it, it just it just it it, it, it just pops off the page, and there's all that and and also the the ban- some of the banter. <laughs> Between Jimmy and Kim, which uh, it just it just feels so real, the two yeah. of them, and the way Bob yeah. and Ray the did hospital
6: that. scene it just makes me cry uh, when he comes in there and he sees her the first time, yeah. and, yeah. and he
0: can also, barely speak. Ugh. This I'll go
3: really inside baseball because I've had people on Twitter say they like it when we go deep inside baseball. Diane and I and Taylor, your assistant Kelly, Uh-oh. just spent. Uh, a considerable amount of time yesterday trying to put titles over this Act 1. Was it's Act horrible. 1. Oh, so you was
0: disregarded the ones that I put over Act 2? Because yeah. I placed them on Act 2. I'm like, show them this, show <laughs> them this.
1: We did that on 514 uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, no, that unfa- was a very
0: special exception. There's, there's very there's, hard to get Wait, on 514 we did? Oh, yeah, for Ryan right. Johnson. For, yes. right. Yeah, that
1: was
3: a very, that was a very, diff- that's a difficult thing. You actually need all kinds of waivers and union, this and that, yeah. uh, to, to do that. And this, so it was, it was a real challenge to put credits over all this all this work that we're talking about. Uh, and so ho- I think we did a great job.
0: They're still I'm, over I'm pat- Act 1? I'm patting
3: myself on the back. They are over act there's 1. There's not
6: one, one over the the Howard scene, though. Yeah. There's nothing. The, probably the most painful of all the episodes of Saul to
0: put credits on. It's, I guess it's just it's to all. let people know, because I don't think we've ever talked about this before, just to let people know the credits, they have to be put in a certain position. They have to be put, I mean, in the show. Um, Diane, you can talk about this as well. They have to be a certain length. Uh, a, yeah, they all it's have all to be. all legal. There has yeah. to be a certain length for them. They have to be spaced a certain way. Um, we don't like to put them over people's close-ups because it gets in the way of their face. Um, we don't like to put them over. We yes. like to keep them on the same shot. We don't like to go over shots. This is not a hard fast You don't and fast want them going rule.
2: over a cut. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, but some shows do. Some have shows that. do it. Some shows on, do that. On, on half hours, they'll do yeah, it. Yeah, some okay. shows do that. I never do. It depends I mean, on if their if do. their show is moving very fast. Yeah,
2: if you have to, you have to. The main thing <laughs> is once you have a set of rules, you don't want to break them. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah,
0: these are things that um, that have to be get done. Every show deals with this. Um, we do not cut the show. Uh, for this, but once we do cut the show and they start to lay these things in, then we start to realize the issues that we're going to have. And on um, episode 514 of Breaking Bad... Yeah, uh, act, act, act
6: one of, of episode 514 was Hank's death, yeah. and it was it just felt horribly, horribly yeah. wrong to have credits on it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I believe actually it was Ryan's idea, Ryan Johnson, who directed mm. that episode, pitched the idea of putting them into act two. Um and, and we, we had to get a special right. waiver from the DGA, and Ryan had to call the DGA and tell them it was his idea and that he was okay with it, and they did let us do it. But I, I don't I don't know of that ever happening any other time on any other show.
0: And a lot of times, you know, a lot of people might ask the question, well, why don't you just put them at the end? Movies put them at the end. You know, there have been TV shows put them at the end. Yeah. Um, it, it varies for each show, for each the network. network. Um, there is, mm-hmm. for each studio, there is a protocol. That most of the time they do not like to break. I don't yeah. know what else to say yeah. about that as a Christian. There's a lot of rules. Thought. There's rules. And they are
6: not convenient to telling a story. <laughs> no,
2: they are absolutely anathema sometimes. Yes. The only good thing is, which is a sad thing when it's your name and you've worked real hard to get yeah. to this point in your career, the sad thing is that the good thing is that most people never even yeah. notice any of these We, we agonize over
6: it, yeah. and then as soon as we've yeah. placed them, I literally never even see them again. Yeah. I just miss them. You just ignore them. You just ignore them because you're watching the show.
7: And I it's, was, yeah.
3: It's a a result of the, you know, we made a choice not to have, you know, the long elaborate credit sequence, yeah. something right. that we followed, like, on, followed like, on Breaking Bad, you know, because yeah. there are a lot of shows which have, you know, whatever 90 seconds, two minutes of uh, of some kind of elaborate like Game credit of
0: Thrones, sequence. Yeah, well, yeah. um, yeah.
6: any, any of the HBO shows, yeah, we, we just yeah. went the
3: opposite way because the, the, the loaf, the low, and I'm so proud of our opening credits on this show, Curtis, <laughs> they're so lo fi. <laughs> hey,
6: but,
2: and 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 the reason we did that is, uh, I mean, not the lo-fi part of it, but the short, the short part of it, the shortness aspect of it is, don't want to take away from storytelling time. Yeah, yeah. the the week.
0: main title is our story time. Yeah. What is yeah, that? it counts. like? 18 seconds or something?
6: Uh, it's 15 seconds. 15.
4: What's the deal Kim, with
0: Blockbuster Video? How did that happen?
4: Uh, we wanted to show that um, Kim was do- Kim was doing this sort of self-care thing. This. I'm taking a break. And we wanted it to be something that was, you know, like really definite of like, I am I am taking a break from work. I am going to go do something else. And we talked about it. We talked about all the things that you can do. You know, you can go get a massage. You can go take a road trip or, you know, all those other things. And um, I just personally, like my ideal of like I'm taking a break is just like run a bunch of movies and eat a bunch of junk food. Um, and so I I, I, I I, I <laughs> pitched that um, and it kind of took off, and Peter got really, really delighted about the idea of it being a blockbuster video. Yes. Did you shoot in a real
2: block? Is there any blockbuster there
4: there are No, left. no <laughs> we uh, that was a set. That was a, a lovingly reconstructed set. Did you have to get permission? Yes, yes, obviously we had to clear it and, and, clear, and clear all the all movies. The movies. Yeah. And, and that's a God, very delicate what balance. What about getting all Yikes. the
0: the, mo- the insert, the blockbuster inserts yeah. for the DVDs? Well, yeah. that yeah. stuff,
4: the uh, blockbuster, that clears because we have yeah. the. It's more. Uh, Movie the movie, covers. the movie covers. Yeah, did they, you, you did they have really to clues. make
0: those, or did could was there a blockbuster store? No, I mean, art department has to oh, okay. create made all those of, assets of it. They, they made hundreds.
3: They, they made hundreds of of covers, and they and you know, getting the clearance to use all those covers, as Jenny said, is That's a big crazy. deal, especially if it has an actor's picture on it, yeah. uh, because then an an you idea. need permission oh, from Heath that actor. Because Heath Ledger is on The Night's Tale. Yeah, and so that. that was we were, wow. and it's not all the easy way out would have been all to use all pre nineteen sixty Sony owned properties <laughs> right. uh, just, but it would have been yeah. kind of an odd video store. Yeah.
4: That's uh, why wouldn't have been blockbuster you know you see them it's the case like you can have the movie title in the description so you know at home when she's like flipping through you see that just the blockbuster branded it's it's much easier but having like the in the store that's not mm-hmm. how they display them so that was mm-hmm. a little bit that was a little bit delicate and we had a, a list of all we actually had a list of the movies she rented which you can't really see in the episode and that was um, it was funny because sort of uh, I had a proposed list, and then I went through and added and then I went to Peter, and they all changed except for like one thing, and then I was like, "But can we add this w- other one?" It, it just because a whole thing of like what the and you never like what movies would Kim watch, we never ever like, see uh, them, and everybody has yeah. a different idea right. of, yeah. of what she would watch. Um, it's That's it's true. the thing of like any little detail we actually talk about and you almost never actually see them but we think about all that stuff every time
3: we really desperately wanted to use a clip from to kill a mockingbird in in that scene, we wanted her jimmy to come into the room and she's watching to kill a mockingbird and some of their dialogue would happen while they were watching to kill a mockingbird and it
6: The movie itself was one thing, but um, we had to get permission from Gregory Peck's
4: estate. And I thought Tina Parker specifically was really, really funny in the blockbuster scene because she's doing that thing that, like, literally every assistant has to do when their boss is, like... made them make this uncomfortable phone call, and they have to sort of cover for for them. And, oh, yeah, you know, it's just her injuries, and she just, all this stuff. And then when Kim says, you know, thanks for the meat, yeah. you know, like, I Tina just, moment. you know, Francesca very quickly has to translate that into actual appropriate speak. <laughs> you know, it's it's just sort of a funny... Assistant, yeah, and, we'll to and that's that. a wonder
6: as well. I that mean, was that's, a one. That's really yeah. fun. And
3: I'm usually, I, I have to say, I've got this is if there's any advance in my directing, which I'm not sure there is. It's just I'm a little bit more comfortable with with doing things in oneers than I used to be. <laughs> uh, I always, I always have this, I always have this, this, this fear that I've forgotten, overlooked something, or something's not playing the way I think it is. And now I'm just trusting my eye a little bit more. Uh, this 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 scene also I'm proud of because it, it shows the it's the, probably the only scene I can think of that has any relationship to my uh, well one of the few anyway there may be relationship to my a class I took at USC there was a class uh, called visual design taught by uh, both Les Novros and Bruce Block and it was uh, there was a they have a concept of flat space and I decided to try specifically do this scene with flat space. Uh, and you can look it up, uh, but where you really don't see very much movement on the Z-axis, everything's moving horizontally. And it was just fun. It was fun to, to limit limit the scene that way. And, and, and I somehow, it, and Tina and, and, and Ray were so wonderful with the timing of coming in and out uh of, of the frame it just it just i was i was real proud of that talk
2: actually. about how far apart because you only have that one angle nothing more of the of the of the of the uh, of the store and uh talk about how far apart you guys put the aisles
3: well that's it's very interesting because when we first set it up we had i forget like three shelves of dvds uh, plus the back wall and marshall i heard marsh marshall is the world's he is the most self-effacing guy doing his job I've ever known, and Marshall our DP, he is, he he he, he is he is he is so brilliant, and he so does not want to own it. And he, I heard him say something, and I said, I said, what was that, Marshall? He said, well, I was thinking about the way we used to do things like this on Felicity, and I said, mm, go on, and he said, well, you know what we would do is we would pull, we would have uh, just a little part of a, a bit of a set, and we would pull everything apart. And then shoot with a longer lens and so i i changed based on that we pulled all the shelves so they're probably a bit further apart than they really would be in a blockbuster they're probably eight to ten feet apart uh but it gives it this depth which kind of this depth but using the long lens helped me helped me to keep that uh, keep that flat space concept and and uh so in
2: other words this focus is more selective if yes. they're on a far aisle the things in the foreground are more out of focus, and then they get closer, and the focus changes to absolutely. stay with them. Absolutely, absolutely.
3: Yeah. It's all it's it, it was just it was. Uh, so Marshall Marshall uh, said we can pull them apart, and so we had them all. They were all wild, of course they move them around. So we were able to basically set up the shot and then move the uh, move the uh, um, the shelves the around the suit. But was, that was just it was just fun. It and was, also
0: it, that last time where Kim jumps back into the frame to get one last video, that's a jump cut. Because the focus changes even there. So yeah, that, that's that like is a the one cut. cut.
3: That's the one cut in the one. We had we had different uh, takes of her coming in. I think we wanted to change the timing mm-hmm. slightly. So there you
1: go. And we've never seen Kim this rattled before. I mean, she really, I wrote that in my, she seems really rattled. Not specifically at Blockbuster, but just throughout. And it, I thought that was, a, it was interesting to see that side of her because she's always, even when she's down, she's got this fierce, Determination, and I feel like now she's like, yeah, been given this opportunity. She lost Take a control. Step back, yeah. You
0: know, it's almost like what we talked about in the last podcast. She lost control and she lost time, um, and now she's realized that you know she, you know, really got lucky. Mm-hmm. You know, she's she's got some some. She's almost on some kind of. Uh, um,
6: well, and she's still so concerned for other people. Like instead of saying I crashed the car, she says I crossed three lanes of traffic. Because she's more concerned that she one. killed somebody, would have killed somebody yeah. else than that something would have happened to her. I don't, she I don't think
4: she cares about what happened, would have happened to her. To her yeah. The yeah. only thing that she cares about is that she could have hurt someone, someone else. else. Yeah. Yeah. It's not an afterthought. It's like no. That's literally the reason why she's <clears throat> so rattled. Yeah. Is, is I was so irresponsible that I could have killed someone. Um, and I think that's what is the thing that kind of pushes her to, to slow down. And it's it's, it's, it's
3: I, I love the way you said, it. and it's interesting, Bob. Something Bob said earlier uh, on one of these podcasts was just that Jimmy, the difference between Jimmy and Saul is that Saul uh, Jimmy may hurt people, but it's he's not thinking about it; he's not inadvertent. Saul hurts people, and he knows that he's doing it, and does it anyway, and doesn't and, care, yeah. and so and doesn't care, and yeah. so and I love I love the way you put that. I think Kim, uh, Kim has. Kim is a good person. She yeah. and I, you know, just our little PSA here is that driving without sleep is, is dangerous, just like drunk driving. And uh, so, don't do it.
2: Yeah. Can so we talk real it. quick about uh, Juan Carlos Cantu? I was and, just uh, gonna say uh, yeah. we can't uh, stop. What a wonderful nachos he about, is uh, Nachos is so good. Well, can we just speed round it? Seriously, speed. Okay. So, so uh, other great scenes, because uh, we got we gotta wrap
6: this. We, up. I guess we probably must talk about the scene at the garage. This
3: is where uh, where Nacho, Nacho's planning to you know kill Hector, and instead he witnesses Hector's Hector has some kind of terrible attack, and then finally this 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 slow burning plan. Of uh, swapping his pills, uh, finally finally reaches fruition. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what is what that and was. What? It was a bear to shoot. I'll tell you that. Yeah.
7: <laughs> well,
4: I think also we should start uh, with the the previous scene at Nacho's dad's shop um, because you know that's that's really that's why he's doing this. Yeah. And I think yeah. you know Vince, uh, you were talking about uh, Juan Carlos Cantu, who plays yeah. Nacho's dad. He's so wonderful, and he just. It, it's it's sort of a surprise, I think, that this is the, Nacho's dad. He's so, like, dad-like yeah. and just, you know, honest and sweet, but also has this, like, real core of strength yeah. of, like, I have these morals, you're against these morals, and even though this is, like, the scariest guy in our universe, um, other than Gus, <laughs> but, you know, Hector is one of our, our scariest guys. He he does not back down until until Nacho has to convince him, and it's, or that heartbreak. It's, it's, heartbreak. Just, it's, it's just really awful. And you can tell, like, they're both just hate that it's happening. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so that is – and that's why uh, Nacho escalates this plan, because he knows he knows Hector's going to kill his dad or yeah. hurt his dad or yeah. do something awful. So and, I don't
2: trust him. Yeah, yeah. Knows, and that's, he knows, that's, he that's he all knows. he has to say. Yeah. And
4: so that leads to our our great scene at the garage, yeah. which is, as Peter said, sort of like all of that comes to fruition. Yeah, i got to say, Juan,
3: Juan Carlos is just such – a pleasure to direct, and he and Michael Mando, um, you know, of course, they had that amazing scene in the previous episode that together was a, in,
2: the, in their kitchen. In, in the kitchen, kitchen yeah. Yeah. which I is such a
3: wonderful, a wonderful scene. And this, this is, uh, you know, this is—it's interesting. This, this whole Nacho story uh, is uh, is is very tragic, uh, you know. And, and Juan Carlos again is an actor who we cast really for just one scene. I think in, in your episode, Jenny uh, back whatever season that was, season two.
4: Yeah, uh, with Mike. We, yeah, with Mike.
3: With Mike. And we, we had just cast him. For, and I knew he was good from that scene. I had no idea how good he is. He's he, wonderful. He, he's wonderful. He commands the screen, and he and Michael Mando work together so beautifully.
2: To just see, and, I, and I don't, I do, uh, only a, a Spanish speaker would be able to answer this, so I, maybe I'll sound like an idiot saying this. But watching that scene uh, at the kitchen in the previous episode, we have a Spanish speaker, Juan Carlos, Fluent Spanish speaker, and then we have Michael Mando, who is not a Spanish speaker, and yet, to my ear, for whatever that's worth, which is maybe nothing, it uh, was just very impressed uh, by the job Michael did in that scene. Mm -hmm. He seemed very fluent. It seemed very real. It just what a wonderful scene.
3: Michael does a very. He works very hard on those those scenes, and I, you know, I'm
2: sure he'd be really happy to hear you say that. But but then when you get to this thing, that how hard was it to shoot? Because I mean, seeing. Gus Fring saved the life of the guy he hates more than anything on earth, any person, anyone. Seeing him, so what a shock! What a, what a, why does he do that, Peter and, and uh, Jenny?
4: Because it's too easy. I mean, he as you know, we've we've kind of built Mike's Mike and Gus's storyline this whole season on the uh, the the fact in Gus's world that uh, he has something special planned for Hector, yeah. you know, and people just keep wanting to kill Hector and like totally screwing with Gus's plan. Like this is the yeah. season of Gus <laughs> basically having to keep everyone from killing Hector because they're not doing it right. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. That's really what it is. I also want to
0: is- mention because um, I, I look at the footage every day for a couple of months, and it didn't occur to me until not too long ago, was the red bell sitting on the counter in the dad's <laughs> shop when nice Tio was there. Because I was like, uh, it was we were working together about two weeks ago, Peter and I, and I'm like, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, there's look at the bell. I didn't even notice.
2: Uh, <laughs> I guarantee our fans will notice instantly. Of course so, they will. They're so perceptive. Can I tell you, too, there are some people, and I love it, I love it so much that this is a fact there are some people listening to this. I guarantee you that have never seen Breaking Bad, who are just fans of uh, Better Call Saul. Oh yeah. So you got some fun stuff. It's ahead. good because
4: we spoiled like half the things. That well, I guess yeah, that's
2: true. You don't need I to watch that's... Breaking Bad at this point. But I, 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 I <laughs> just love ask your friends about it. I mean, I love the <laughs> fact that joke? people. No, I know. I love the fact that people can watch. I'm fascinated by the fact people can watch this in a completely different order than it was ever intended. Uh, and people, there are going to be people uh, in the future who watch Better Call Saul first and then see where it all goes, in the breaking bad uh, of it all. I love that. So how, why was it so hard to shoot that scene at the garage? Was it cold? Was it?
3: It, it you know, it's a, it's just a very complicated sequence uh, with a big cast, and I had, you know, boy, I had just the powerhouse, uh, Javier. I'm gonna slaughter oh, uh, Javier. Uh, uh, ha- Grejeda. Javier yeah. You know, I had I had uh, I had Juan Carlo. I had Mark, uh, Michael. You know, we had we had a uh, you know it was a it was a murderer's row. There's a lot of a lot of entrances and exits in vehicles. It just it just was uh, it, it it taxed my my poor little brain uh, to put it all together. Uh, fortunately, we did we did we storyboarded it. Uh, but having said that, it's just a, there were just a lot of elements. Uh, was it all and, one night? Or and was it was over one night. It was actually, it was the equivalent of one night. Uh, just to be more sane, we did it as uh, two split days. Gotcha. So we would shoot somewhere else and then come back to this. Gotcha. And this was also uh, another example of uh, something we've talked about here before. The Vericam. Uh, this was shot with the. Uh, Shot with the Panasonic varicam, which is ISO 5000. You've heard us say many times before, and this is—it was the first time I had you. You had shot, of course, the first two episodes I with this. It. With this, and um, the way Marshall lit this was by putting lights, building the lighting into the set. Mm-hmm. So uh, he he, act, he put a light up in front of that garage. He put a uh, a street light uh, a street light up and a couple of other street lights, and then from that once that was done. Uh, except for you know a few hiccups here and there it was it was more or less the scene was lit wow. and it was it was remarkable because we could you know there was no question is it okay if I do a, a 180 degree pan sure you can do that wow. uh, and it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a very interesting way to shoot it has a like I say before it has a different look it doesn't look to me uh, just like film and it doesn't look just like other digital. It has it has a different look to it just because, mm. and he, just because of the way. And he had a, the biggest problem he had was a light, from, uh, from a facility next to the one that we were shooting at, maybe maybe a block or two away, that was spilling into our into our into our show. And then there was another point where he, I think I might have mentioned this story once before, where he said something's red on the faces of the actors. We realized it was the tally light on the front of the camera was lighting up and actually lighting lighting the actors. The
2: little red light that tells the actor that the camera is on them, right?
3: Which you don't use on shows like ours. It's more for, like, game shows or multi-camera things.
2: And it puts out... just negligible light. It just, it's just something you could see, but it's not like it's putting out light. And it was actually lighting the actor's yeah. face. The most fun wow. I
3: had with this scene was rehearsing it because there was it was there was so much movement and and we we you know, we got to stand, fortunately in daylight. We got to stand with I got to work with all these actors at once and try to block this thing and they they were just wonderful. And 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 Giancarlo, I hadn't worked with him as a director since the fourth season of Breaking Bad. He is such a
2: pleasure. Oh, yeah. oh my God, he is—he is, he is he just is so not his character. He is so brilliant.
3: Uh, just, he has such a brilliant eye for detail, and and he is—he is—he is just also just fun to have on the set. Uh, so I, I wish, I wish he was in. I wish he was in every scene in this episode. To be honest with you,
2: he's wonderful.
0: Even just standing in Chuck's house while Chuck. You know, That's <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: That's right. Since we're since we, just to wrap that up, up, that scene, the the that whole scene to me is worth it. In that last little look that Gus gives the way he regards Nacho. And it made me think and feel about the absence of the only person who's not in this episode, which is Mike. And the last time we saw him, it seems like he was getting swallowed up into this dark corporate, you know, madrigal world that we, that we know is not necessarily a contract that ever expired. And uh, it was it's it's interesting to watch kind of the darkness, which is weirdly it's not like the mafia where it's it has that kind of romantic darkness. There's such a crisp, calculated darkness to Gus and Madrigal and and Lydia and and to see that maybe, you know, there's a specter of that in Nacho's future because he's so not like that and neither is Mike as he is now. Uh, I don't know it's made me very excited for things to come yeah
2: (laughs) speaking of that this I mean this is it this is the end of uh, season three what a season I gotta tell you my favorite season yet best season yet wow and uh, I I just I say that as a fan at this point as much as anything Uh, and like uh, Chris was just saying this episode leaves a whole lot of questions as to what comes next and uh, as as we record this, we don't have a pickup for season four, but hopefully that's just uh, that's just uh, a formality. This would we'll be a sad out. place to leave the series. <laughs> <laughs> a Real yeah. bummer. You know what though? It, it actually kind of could work. I'm I don't, I don't want to see that. I want to yeah, see. Yeah, I a mean season... we have
0: we have this the handshake between Mike and Gus at the end of episode eight, so we know that those guys get together. Mm-hmm. And... I well, think it'd right. be a real we,
3: can, we can stop right now.
0: No, you know, you're not like, allowed. I have to see how Howard
6: reacts to yeah. what happens. I want to so. see I the I Cadillac. I want to see how Kim and yeah. i want to I want to see the
2: suits. I take it back. There's a lot more yeah. that I want to see. You know what? What's and, what? And, I, going I, and I'm on not, not in And what's going on how with Gene in suits. Omaha?
6: I want to see some other. I want to see some more stuff before we get to that.
2: What a great season, though! Congratulations to you all. Excellent. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. Got to watch it this year.
1: It was really a pleasure to watch and and. And and thank you guys again for having me. Can be we do a part one little shout podcast. out to
0: Miss Irene and the girls also? Oh my oh God, Ms.
1: Irene! Man, I love oh, yes. that. so great! She's yeah, this so is of course yeah.
3: Gene Efron, Gene Efron, and uh, Phyllis Applegate, and Bonnie Bartlett, and Cara Muncel. Just just they, they all did such a wonderful, wonderful job problem. in this, these these last two episodes. But all a pleasure, all a pleasure to work with Gene. You know who we cast originally in Jenny's episode in season one. Uh, it, 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 really to say one line I, I think she's she just came come through for us so well she's, she's heartbreaking just, she's wonderful and then I, I also have to give a special uh, shout out to Bonnie Bartlett who uh, is, is an Emmy winner and she came and she came and uh, her husband is William Daniels and, and she they, the two of them won for uh um, Saint for elsewhere. Saint elsewhere, and there, they, you know, it's just, it's, it's, she was wonderful and generous, and and like, like all, all these, all these. Bond all is this the woman cast. who says, "Shame on you." That's right. Yeah, shame, shame on you. On you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you don't want her to say that to you because no you way. will feel shame.
2: I thought someone was going to haul off and smack him, but uh, I'm You're glad, the, I'm glad they didn't because I, it would, it would have come somehow taken away from. I him.
3: think they should have thrown him on the ground and just beaten him to death with their, with, with their walkers and yeah.
2: canes. <laughs> Until the tennis balls go flying off. That's right. <laughs> That's
1: um, right. Well, hey, thank you guys for being. with Thanks, Jenny, for being here and for writing a beautiful episode. Oh, thank you guys. And uh, and Diane, thank you for thank being you. here. And, and as has been said many times, being the best in the business, <laughs> best in the business. Oh my yep. God!
3: And uh, I would without you, I would not have lived through the last four months <laughs> without <laughs> Diane. Seriously.
6: Oh, it is a, is a major, major team effort, as we say 500 times on every podcast, but this is not a job you can do by yourself. You need a lot of people to help you. Yep. And, and, uh, and,
2: and your team, Alicia and Carly, uh, Alicia want to give some shout-outs Car- yeah, to them? Yeah,
6: Alicia and Carly, uh, Alicia, my post supervisor, and Carly, my post coordinator, and Grant, my post PA, who were just a super crack team this year. We did. Uh, they worked really hard. It was a tough season, but um, it went really smoothly because of them. So.
2: And we couldn't do it without uh, my assistant, Jen Carroll, and your assistant, uh, yeah.
1: Dessa, Dessa. 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 Yeah. Dessa Larkin-Boutet. And, and thanks to you guys for uh, making this great show that we get to be a part of and watch. And
0: This podcast is, uh, you know, it's, it's it's really fun to get together with everybody and talk for an hour, but there are hours or and hours or that or go. Or two <laughs> or three. hours. <laughs> no, was, yeah. Sorry, yeah, there Why There are a lot of hours industry. that go into this. And Listen it really to the really is double a speed. A, It really is a a collaboration. Um, And to everybody on on Twitter, uh, when you don't get the podcast on time, it's not us. Uh, We are usually waiting for notes. Um, So uh, we aren't sitting here gleefully keeping it away from you. From Melissa Um,
2: Bernstein, and thank her, too, for
1: keeping us on. Thank you, Melissa Bernstein. And thank you you also to Mike Behrman-Trout for always helping us out whenever we need something. And uh, (laughs) also thanks Chris Sullivan. For just being a great guy
0: and no apparent reason also uh, thank you so much to uh, our people at Sony that help us out oh yeah um, uh, thank you so much uh, to Sony uh, and
1: AMC but especially Sony for for helping us for managing this podcast and putting it out there yeah and, and hosting, and, hosting and,
0: and, and, and publishing for us thank you so much and,
2: and thanks to the fans.
1: At that was I, that was where I was at. Thank thank right. thank thanks to the people
3: who are viewing this because you, I mean you're smart. Without you the, we would not be here. You're if you're viewing smart, it you're really good. The smartest. <laughs> well, I'm not t- I'm not the fans who watch the show. I got you, the I podcast got you. is fine, yeah, but the you. show is what, what I care about and yeah. and you know we have the smartest, best looking audience of anybody anywhere.
2: Amen. And our
3: apologies for everyone we didn't mention. Absolutely, <laughs> and, uh, and hey Bob.
0: Let's hear your best. Better call Saul. Better call Saul. Yay! Yeah! yeah. <laughs>
5: yes. Bye, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Bye. 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 <laughs>